Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD on Twitter, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me as 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 somewhat usual, maybe now more usual than not. <laughs> what is this, three in a row? Three Four, in a row you mean. made, wow. No. It's Eric Beinfor. I don't know how you do it with the, the MLB stuff, the NBA playoffs. You're doing a lineup HQ show thing now. And uh, and still talking about previous slates, uh, like like I do on the pregame show. Just want to touch on, uh, I talked about it on the pregame show today, about yesterday's slate. Because so, mm-hmm. I, think, I think, how is it different between me and you? Okay, because you're primarily, in MLB, in most sports, you play like one lineup or three lineups. Yep. Like you're just very... You come up with your one thing. You play mid to high stakes contests, and for me, I'm, I'm everything, right? Yeah. Like right. in MLB, especially, like in NBA, I'm more, I'm more willing to play the three max single entry. I tried that yeah. for a while, and I was successful doing that. Mm-hmm. I made money doing that. In MLB, it almost like the, the the variance in MLB makes it so that. There's a 13 game slate, and it's like, how do how do I just choose one team? Like, how do, how do I just choose one? Like, there's like eight teams that are under owned. Like, which one is it? Like, I I could then condense it down to one, but still, I'm sitting there going, how much money am I losing by not taking shots yeah. at so many good spots? But I think I get more frustrated on smaller slates when. You probably don't like. It's weird to say, like yesterday's slate uh, for for this the time period of this show. People listen to this months from now. Who knows? Uh, yesterday's slate was six games. Today's slate is thirteen games. Obviously, there are nuances of every slate that are different with pitching and hitting and whatever. Yeah. But would you agree with me that, especially from your perspective of someone that's building one to three lineups? The smaller slates, and I'm not talking about the really small two or three games. I'm talking about five or six game slates. On those smaller slates, the five or six game slates, it's much easier to identify leverage points. Yet on the large slates, a lot of times, uh, it's it's easy to identify one or two leverage points. It's just that the options to get that leverage, there's like 70 options. Right. Yet on a smaller slate, it's kind of like if I don't play this guy or that guy, it like forces me into this combination that's going to be different anyway because there's only twelve teams on the slate. So how do yep. you, how do you how do you deal with both? I I think your your strengths maybe in single entry and three max play in the smaller field stuff maybe is more on the smaller slates than on the larger slates. Than because on the larger slate, I could see you going. I know what not to do. Just, I have to make a choice out of these 20 things of what to do, yet on the smaller slates, like, what not to do is, like, these two or three things, which means what to do is only two or three things. Exactly. So, so it's it's so much easier to pick between one of three than between one of 12. Yeah, I'm I much prefer it. Sometimes I even write about it so you know if anybody's reading it and they're like 150 maxers they're probably like you know you're an idiot what are you what are you talking about i love this 13 gamer where i can play all eight of these stacks that are 
you know, 2%. But it's, it's exactly what you outlined for, for me. And I actually think, you know, uh, and maybe you disagree, so maybe we'll debate that. I think it's a more of an acquired skill for a person to be able to appropriately play, uh, you know, 100 lineups or 150 lineups, particularly on a big on a big slate, because I think it's really really easy to make, uh, you know, okay after even if you're good at making like 20 plus plus EV lineups, to continue to make plus EV lineups on your 50th and 60th and 100th team is is not something that is an easy skill for people to do and i don't even think i have it i i I think i mean i've proven that i'm bad uh, at least in a small sample at at multi-entering and i think it's easier to uh it's simpler i always try to make sure and correct myself i don't say easy because this game is it's not is not easy at all but it's simpler to identify those correct you know paths like you said I can so easily identify the two or three things that I, you have to make a decision on. It's not even just like, oh, people think about it the wrong way too. Like, oh, there's three chalky things, just X those guys out and not, and now do this. It's not always that simple, right? You know, sometimes playing Jacob deGrom is, is still the right thing to do, but there's other leverage leverage points. But it, it condenses down so much that not only does it make, you know, there may still only be a couple of decisions that you have to make. Uh, you know, key decisions on a slate like tonight, you know, comparing again, like you said, yesterday was six games and today is 13 games. There still may only be a couple of decision points that you that are like really the truly the crux of the slate. But then, as you outlined pretty perfectly, beyond those decisions, there's like, you know, it's like a, a million, literally a million different options. Whereas once I identified those two or three decision points last night, it's like, Okay, there's like, you know, I'm not playing a team against whatever uh, Woodruff. I'm just, I'm just not. The, the probability of a stack against Brandon Woodruff hitting is not. It's just not happening. So I have like oh, three yeah, things. Yeah. So like, I actually played a ton of Padres. You see, but that's, but but yeah, right. But and I'm not even saying that you're wrong. I'm, but that's that's my line. Right, well, you okay. you took that. See see what, what to talk about yesterday's slate, which why the slate size matters. That that's what that's yep. the whole point. That I'm bringing up. So, like on the pregame show, I highlighted that on a six-game slate, we had basically five pitchers that were over 25% owned. Right. So we had Snell, we had Woodruff, we had Lynn, we had mm-hmm. Montes, and we had Peterson at yep. 26%. Okay. Then we had pitchers that were like one percent owned. <laughs> right. So Kim against the White Sox. We had Shoemaker against the Twins. We had uh, 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 Shoemaker against the Orioles. Uh, like, but those were the chalky stacks. The Tigers against Henkes. So, yep. like, obviously, the more owned that these stacks are, the low owned the pitchers are. But these pitchers aren't even like in a vacuum. You don't even want to play them. Like, it's not like correct. Uh, like, typically, you'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to play any pitcher against the Tigers." Well, not Sam Henkes. You're not. You're, you're still not. You're still not doing that. Uh, yep. So on that type of slate, I I look at it to build plus EV lineups. To me, is looking at win conditions. Yep. Okay. So I'm in every slate that I'm going into. I'm looking for win conditions and relative value. Like that's really the the crux mm-hmm. of everything that I do in DFS. Is based on relative value. It's ba- it's right. leverage, but I, really leverage isn't the right term. It's relative value. That the 
I want to get points that other people aren't getting, and I want to have lineups that are negatively correlated with other people's lineups. So, like, if I were to play, uh, for instance, here's a way to get different. Some people will do this. I'm going to play the two chalk pitchers. I'm going to play the chalk stack, but instead of, like, the Tigers were chalk yesterday, but Willie Castro was 2% owned at second base and hit a home run. So you could make, now, in order for you to not be all chalk, you could say instead of playing uh, Scope, I'm going to play Castro instead. Or instead of playing the second base one-off, you're you're moving stuff around inside of the chalk stack so you get that that ninth hitter that's 2 or 3% owned. And he's the one that manages to make the stack, and many people don't have it. Now, in that win condition— I think it happened on both. I think it happened on both. The, the Orioles were super chucker. I don't remember what— uh, Yeah, DJ Stewart. Exactly. The, right, DJ, DJ Stewart. Stewart in arm run. And then we also had Larnick for the for the Twins. Yep. If you played yep. the bottom—like, if you played the one to five of those chalked stacks, you failed. Mm-hmm. But if you played Andrew Vaughn, if you played one of those, those bottom guys, you could have gotten there. But that is one— version of getting leverage. I'm still going to play the chalk pitchers. I'm still going to play the chalk stack, but I'm going to hope that that 4%, 2% on guy goes off and makes the stack. Now, to me, that win condition is tougher because you're still, you, because you want the team to do well, but you need a very specific way for that team to do well and your pitchers to do well. You're not getting the only where, the only place you're getting points that other people aren't are on that, Ninth hitter or on that seventh right. hitter down there, but and the players that you and the players that you need to perform poorly are positively correlated with the other players in in your lineup. So right. w- even when your guy hits a home run that the other people don't have, they are still possibly scoring. You know, the, right? They're scoring runs and RBIs and stuff like that. Right. So so when Willie Castro hits a three run home run, and you don't have good room in your lineup. Well, the Goodrum lineups are getting an extra two points also because Goodrum's scoring. So yep. that that home run is not worth 23 points to you. It's worth 21 points to the mm-hmm. other versus the other Tigers stacks, okay? Because yep. they're positively correlated to one another. Now, with a negative correlation, for instance, so let's say I play a lineup that I play the Brewers against Snell, and I'm playing Kane and Abby Garcia and Manny Pena <laughs> and Keston Hira and Yelich wasn't in the lineup. Uh, when Abby Garcia hits a home run, a solo shot for 14 points, against 33% of the field, it's worth 16 points because mm-hmm. Snell is getting a minus two at the same exact time. When against the White Sox against uh, 0.7% on Kim, I don't get that. I don't get that benefit. Only 0.7 percent yep. of the lineups are negatively correlated to the White Sox, right? Because it's the pitcher and the hitters. Like that's the only yep. negative correlation there will be. So I go into those smaller slates, especially because the ownership get tends to be much more condensed. We had all those pitchers with 25 plus percent owned. It's like okay, because they were the best pitchers on the slate. It doesn't mean I'm going to go and I'm going to play play Kim and Henkes or whatever and do the complete opposite, which that would be the ultimate negatively correlated lineups. Play the pitchers, the two pitchers against the two chalk stacks and then play the five, three of the, the pitchers at the high like that. But that that's what I would consider to be nuts. Yes, so when I say that you don't have to get nuts, that would be nuts. 
but you could still get a little nuts and go, I'm going to build a lineup that stacks against Snell. And in this lineup, I'm playing Woodruff and Lynn. I'm still playing to the chalk pitchers, but I know that if my Brewers stack gets hits, it ruins 33% of the lineups in the contest. Now I'll also play a Cardinal stack against Lynn. I'll also play uh Padre stack against Woodruff. I'm going to definitely yeah. play Mariner stacks against Montes. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. you had to know I was going to do that. I thought he was be a little oh, yeah. bit more owned. Uh, yeah. Now, all of those are possible. I played a couple of Rocky stacks against Peterson, even though Peterson, I played the most of. Like in my hundred lineups, yeah. I had him in half my yeah. lineups, but I still had four Rocky stacks because like they're going none owned and Peterson's 26% owned. So the win condition in that lineup is Peterson, is Peterson getting blown up by the Rockies. It happens less often, which is why I only have four, four lineups of it. Now my Orioles stacks, on the other hand, well, the Orioles are a chalky stack. So now I'm trying to figure out how do I get leverage in those lineups? Well, I'm going to play John Means over Woodruff yep. or Snell because it's obviously correlated with the Orioles because Means is more likely to get a win in those scenarios. We also had a, a, a weird slate that you could have left 2,000 on the table and still be yes. fine. So I had a ton of lineups that left two, 3,000 on the table. Uh, but in those lineups, I'm playing the chalk and then I'm finding somewhere else different. But I think so many people start with uh, the Orioles are chalk. How do I play something else? Rather right. than look at on a, those smaller slates, who is the pitching chalk? And how do I take advantage of that? Not by playing other pitchers, but by playing bats against them because there's only so few teams on the slate. Now on a 13 game slate, people extend that concept out. They hear me say this. They look at my lineups. They go, oh, you stack against this guy and that guy. Now, if I'm playing only one lineup, I will only have to make one. I'll have to choose one of them. Probably would have chosen the the Mariners against Montes. Uh, But since I have a hundred lineups, I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to condense it. I'll, I'll just do all five. I'll just have a bit of all five. Uh, but on larger slates, people get to a 13 game slate and they'll see a 26% owned pitcher. Who's maybe the highest owned pitcher and go, well, why don't I, I'll stack against that guy. And it's like, well, the win condition, remember the win, the win condition of an, a six game slate. We see this in slate IQ, right? You do the analysis and it's the same all the time. The slate size, it's real. The difference is slate to slate don't matter. The slate size matters. That we say this all the time with the stacking. On a large slate, there's more likely a chance of one team going off for an inordinate amount of runs in comparison to all the other teams. Not necessarily 20, but one team will put up 12 and the next highest team will be seven. And like that difference, you're going to need that stack. On a six game slate, the likelihood of that happening is much lower. So it's quite possible the highest scoring team on the slate is only six runs. Mm-hmm. Now, when you stack, when you go, oh, you're going to stack the Brewers against Snell? Oh, you think the Brewers are going to put up 12 runs against Snell? It's like, no, I don't need that. I need the Brewers to put up six runs against Snell and them still being the highest scoring team. And since there's only 11 other teams versus 23 other teams, that's more likely to happen. It's still it's still low probability but it's still more likely than doing that on a 13-game slate. If Blake Snell was 33% owned on a 13-game slate, I still wouldn't have played, I wouldn't have played any Brewers stacks because right. the, the negative correlation isn't, isn't worth it enough. The projection on the Brewers would be low enough that the likelihood of them being the highest scoring 
team on a low-scoring slate is still way lower with twice the amount of teams that are on the slate. And there's still, if the Brewers are 3% owned in that scenario, I got 10 other teams that are 3% owned. Like, I can still get... (laughs) I don't have I don't have to be negatively correlated with thirty three percent of the field anymore with the Snell. I could get all the leverage I want by just playing other teams. So yep. when it comes to single entry and three max play, do you do you approach do you approach it in a similar way? Like you said, I'm not going to play the Padres against Woodruff. Like, sure, I could understand throwing that out if he wanted, but were you considering mm-hmm. like the Mariners against Montes or the Brewers against Snell? Like, do you look at Lance Lynn's going to be owned. Why don't I play the Cardinals? <laughs> that was exactly. So it's funny you say that because that was exactly what I talked about, like right leading up to the slate. You know, I'm posting two or three updates right in that last hour and a half before lock or whatever. And like, I thought yesterday was, was really like kind of peculiar. So it's an interesting slate to talk about because it was, you had this weird context of the, the, Best, like you had infinite salary, like you said, right? Like the salary cap was basically a non-issue. The, you know, two, there was basically only two offenses against bad pitchers. And it was the freaking Tigers and the Orioles. The two, like the two worst offenses in the league that no one ever wants to stack. And then you had, you know, it's these elite, well, the, the twins lineup that they ran out there ended up not being anywhere. It was God awful actually. But you had like the twins and the White Sox, even the White Sox kind of make, have weird lineups. Larusa is a you know a sicko playing these some of these guys, but like they, they were awkward, right? The the good offenses were like maybe not in the worst spots, but they're also not in good spots. Like on a slight light slate like tonight, we would never we would not be playing like uh, uh, White Sox most likely. Um, they would be really really far down the the probability list likely on a on a bigger slate. But last night we like there was like. Who do you choose? Like, if you said, you know, we do the the kind of joking around a little bit sometimes about like the people say like, oh, who do you like? It's like if you actually did that thing, like, who do you like? You know, who who projects well? Who looks like? I don't like any of them. I hate all. They all suck. They all look awful to me. So to that point, it entirely became about which is maybe you know will lead into this small slate discussion. It was in it's entirely about the leverage and the relative value, which is which is 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 a good thing I think for tournament players. Um, both of us, but you know, for me that prefers, uh, kind of the smaller slates, I prefer the smaller slates because of that. It becomes almost entirely about the, the leverage and the relative value. And I'm trying to win a low scoring slate, right? Trying to win a low scoring slate on the 13 game. Like someone is going nuts tonight, right? If there's 13 games, even though there's a lot of good pitchers and, and someone is hitting, you know, if we really want to talk about FanDuel, it's so home run driven. There's going to be so many home runs on a 13 game slate that I just can't, I, I just, you know, it's impossible to, to like get a really clean, easy path to first on a, on a huge slate. Right. On, on a night, huge slate. A lot of times I, the way that MLB has been going, it's like, you're going to get a team. It didn't, uh, I saw this on Twitter. Some, several people have been joking around whenever we get like a, like a large slate, a 12, 13, 14, 15 game slate. It, it almost seems like there's going to be one team that throws a no hitter. Yeah, another yes. team that will be facing a position player in the eighth inning. Like there, it's like, yes. there's going to be there's and, and the pitcher that throws the no hit, it's going to be some $7,800 SP two <laughs> throws a no hitter gets 42 points. And then there's going to be one team that is up 18 to two and facing the <laughs> second baseman pitching in the ninth inning. 
Exactly. And the other thing that always we talked we joked about guys knowing knowing if they're owned. The first at bat of the chalkiest <laughs> cheap hitter. He's it's it's he's he's scoring points. I will guarantee he scores points. He's most likely hitting a home run. Like Anthony Sant- like I have a, a right Santander yesterday. I'm like I'm Santander. waiting for the home Santander. run. I'm just waiting for it. I know it's like sixty percent. He's like Anthony. I, and I and you know it's fine. He's a good player. Ready, protected well, whatever. Sixty percent on Anthony Santander comes up. Guy on base, gap shot right. You know double lead off. You know starts the game with a, an RBI double. You're just like, but at least like, but know. I mean, but to, to be fair, Eric. 28% owned on a six-game slate compared to we've, – we've seen – we had Austin Meadows at like 36% yeah. owned on a 12-game slate hitting hitting two home runs. And that is – and so that's a, another bullet point on the the smaller slates in the contests that I play. In the um, – I forget whichever one of the higher stakes contests it was. The Meadows, the Meadows slate because it sticks out to me. He was 63% and well, a hitter. And there, there on, like on a 10 plus games. game slate, like this yeah. wasn't a small slate. Correct. So one hitter, like, yes, he was the best. He was, he was the best play, but to the point about this smaller slate, small field, you know, single entry, three entry max, especially when you get, you know, the, the high, the real, the nosebleeds, right. One K, two K, those kind of contests. I mean, Austin Meadows is almost three quarters of the field has Austin Meadows. And then, then you trickle that down. The rays were extremely popular, you know, now forty percent of the field has the Rays. It's like that that type of of leverage point being available to me on a slate is like that's the dream. Obviously, that slate it's not it did not it did not go well because Austin Meadows scored like a million points and the Rays hit like ten home runs. But that that's the perfect example. It's like I love that because I'm I'm like I'm willing to lose, but it makes it so simple and it makes it like I don't have to be. We talked about a long time ago. I think during basketball season, like. I'm not trying to like even really bet on my team. I'm just betting against these guys losing. And I want to, I have as few of the people, you know, in my contest as, as possible, generally speaking, you know, anywhere from sometimes like the, the high stakes stuff is like 25 people, but anyway, you know, 25 to 500 people. I want to be as, as, as small of a contest as, as I can get into. And then also have them on all of them on the same thing as much as possible. Because when that thing fails, it's like, it doesn't need, you know, I don't really need to score that many points to win. I don't have to be perfect. My offense, like you said, my, my offense could score six runs and I could win a tournament, right? This probably needs some, some home runs. My pitchers could be okay because so many of my opponents are on that exact same thing that it just makes that path so clean to the, you know, to, to give me at least a shot at, at winning tournaments. So that's why I prefer those kind of slates because we get 60% Austin Meadows. We get 40% of the field on the same stack. We get, uh, Santander was, I was just trying to pull it up like in some of the smaller field stuff, you know, 50%, I'm looking at one, he's 51.3.3%. And like the whole field has like Orioles or Tigers. It's like, okay, well, if I don't play Orioles or Tigers, Orioles or Tigers, and yeah, I play Mariners. It's like, you said, not, I have, I have this win condition set up for me, but then I have just like the, the, the simplest of possible things that need to go that need to swing my way like it's not high probability that those things swing my way but it, it's it's such a clean path that um you know that's that's why i prefer it versus tonight i know i'll be able to find uh, make a plus ev lineup like that is not that is not an issue and i'm sure i'll have my preference and you'll have your preference and I'll we'll just be play able them to all. i just i'll just yeah, play- I'm playing 150 on FanDuel. I'm going to have them all. So don't don't, yeah. don't worry about that. I'm going to but the thing is is that like I by playing 
my portfolio strategy when playing MLB is 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 more about who who I'm. I I try I try to build what what I call a barbell approach to my portfolio. Uh, I I don't want it because I I don't want to put things in terms of exposures because it's really you're building li- lineups, not right. exposures. But the exposures are a result. Is a result uh, of the lineups that you more. I'm building more lineups like this than that. Yeah. Uh, I'm much more likely to choose three or four of the highest probability leverage lineup, like the most leverage lineups, and go high on them, and then low on the hot the the chalk, but yeah. still, but not zero. So right. for, for so for instance, I I like, I mean I can't really use yesterday because because I, I played well I guess you could use yesterday, like once I see that Orioles and Tigers are the highest owned, it's like well they're they're gonna be they're gonna be my lowest exposed. Doesn't mean zero. Yeah. But I'm playing a hundred line. I'm playing I played 120 lineups yesterday. Uh, so I'm gonna still build some, but obviously in those lineups, they're gonna have some weird stuff in them. Right, mm-hmm. I'm pairing the Orioles with the Rockies, right? Yeah. I'm pairing the Tigers with the Cardinals, right? I'm pair. I'm they're going to be paired up with the. They're going to be paired up against a stack against one of the chalkier pitchers, yep. right? But I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not going to have many, if any, Baltimore Tigers lineups with Snell in it. Like I'm not. I'm not yep. going to build those. Like those are just out the window. But I could still build some Orioles lineups, and then. I don't mind using the Orioles and the Tigers as one-offs, as three-mans, as two. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. The stuff on the bottom of the probability list, so like stuff like the, like yesterday was the Mets, the Mariners, and the Rockies, right? Yep. So I look, I look, I look at that. I look at that and I go, okay, they're the lowest projected teams. I, I don't want to have a ton of the lowest projected teams, <laughs> right. right? I don't have a ton, but between those three teams, who would I have? Who would I have the least of? Uh, Mets, right? Because Austin Gomber is the Gomber. lowest owned pitcher out of the three. So you know what? Who my highest owned pitcher was? Austin Gomber. Gomber. <laughs> See, it works out that way. So now. Right. It forces me. I had plenty of Peterson also. Basically, all my lineups had either one of the two in them. Mm-hmm. I played up and down type lineups. Uh, so it forces me into Rockies. Like, Peterson's going to be owned enough that I should have some Rockies. Uh, right. Montes is going to be mega owned, so I, w- I want a ton of Mariners. Even though they project low, I'm going to put them on the other side of the barbell. I'm getting enough relative value. The Mets, yeah. I'm not getting. I'm not getting enough. So the Mets, I, I have just, I have very few Mets lineups. I've a bunch of Rockies lineups, but not that much because I'm still playing tons of Peterson. So how many Rockies lineups could I possibly make when half my lineups are David Peterson lineups? So I'm not going to have many Rockies lineups. But Montes, I was so low on. I still had Montes. I still had Montes in lineup. He projected well. Why wouldn't I? But he's going to be on the other side of the barbell, right? I had Montes right. and Woodruff and Snell kind of like 10%. Like if they fit into lineups, they fit into lineups. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the stacks against them on the other side of the barbell. So now I get this like asymmetric where I'm not, I'm not in the middle. I'm not in the middle. Like, yep. like 
I want because if all if if the events on the low side of the barbell happen, I that's a that's a minus eighty percent night, right? Because yep. that the chalk wins. I mean Snell if it's if it's Snell Woodruff and the Tigers, like but the whole point is I'm going against those li- like I want as many lineups against that win condition as possible, and there's there's twelve other different types of win conditions and I want all of them. I want everything other than these win conditions. So. I'm putting them on the other. So once I once I have only 10% Snell, 10% Montes, 10% Woodruff, you know, that type of, that. obviously the combinations, I'm not going to get many of those types together. Yeah. Right? Snell is going to be paired with Means, right? Le, uh, you know, uh, Montes is going to be paired with, with, with some, with uh, Gomber, and then it's going to be some other type of lineup. And because yeah. I separate that into the barbell, I don't get those, chalk lineups. I don't get the in I don't get the Indians, the Snell Indians Tigers lineups because I'm putting the Indians on this side of the bar. Like I'm not I'm not building like I don't set my exposure. So like in my stacks, it's it's either I'm playing like I look through like they have to add up to a hundred for instance. I'm more likely to take half the teams and play 15% of them and then half the teams and play 3% of them. Like, yep. and not like eight, 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 eight. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm going to play everyone in every combination. It's like, no Orioles, Tigers, 4% Brewers, Mariners, 14%. Like that, <laughs> that type of thing. And then the, yep. the pitching, I'm like Gomber, Peterson, 50% means 50% Woodruff, Snell, like, and on the, so now it could start now. I mean, this is this is more of a like like you said. I'm better with the with the the optimizer. Yep. Like this this is a way of like how do I make the optimizer build the lineups that I want to make, and this is a way that especially on smaller slates that it's easier to do. You just start capping these high owned guys, and then you could go through. And what I'll do is I'll go through once I build, and obviously because it's building based on median projections. It's giving me 33% Anthony Santander one-offs, right? It's giving <laughs> yeah. me Andrew Vaughn yep. one. Did, so, you know what I do? I go, okay, cap them at 10% also. I mean, like, I don't want them as well, but they could still appear in one-offs in other lineups. It's just that the less that I use them, the more likely that they end up only in the contrarian lineups. And I'll go through and check that, right? I'll go, if, if one gets out there, one gets out there. I'm not going to be perfect. That's that's the that's the beauty of building a hundred plus lineups is that that I know that that I could spend two hours making sure every single of my hundred lineups is plus EV, yeah. or I could spend five minutes knowing that maybe ten of them. Once I look at afterwards, going yeah, th- that was kind of th- throwing money in the toilet, right? But I, I have 90 other... I, they could still win. It's just that it's like negative. It's like, oh yeah, I guess I, I let an Orioles-Tigers Snell lineup out of the out of the wilderness. I guess I guess one one got in there, right? And if I win with that, they'll be like, oh, I can't believe you played all the chalk. And it's just like, a, I would admit that it's a bad lineup. But yeah, I'm do I'm doing the same exact thing as you are. Just that I'm trying. I'm I'm doing things at scale. And yeah. do do you do you believe that people listen to this? That and the that the, the impression they get is they they it's kind of, I I think they many people would look at you and go well what Eric's doing is skillful right 
right? Eric is going through. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to make the best choice on my one lineup with all the information that I have. And then people look at me and you go, it doesn't look like Jordan makes any choices. It looks like, it's just like, it looks like you have no conviction and just like, well, is it going to be the Mariners or is it going to be the Brewers? And I'm like, I think they could be, uh, if I, if I, if I could build a plus EV lineup to the whole point that I'm making is that if I could build a lineup, two lineups with the same EV about, and one's a brewer stack and one's, one's a Mariner stack. And I have the ability to do that. Cause I have a contest that I could play more than one lineup. Why wouldn't I do that? Like that. I yeah. approach it from the perspective of why wouldn't I, you, you can't. You're constrained by the actual contest by not yep. being able to. But if you had the ability, let's say, Eric, instead of single entry, you're playing three max. Like more likely than not, you're not playing the same three stacks in all three. You're not doing a 2v2 Correct. of three. You're probably stacking three different teams. Because... Right, like in NFL, I, I, I will play, not always, but I will play, you know, three three teams and, and play three max in. You may have the same the running backs in all three lineups, but I'm, but you're not just doing a one v one on. You're not in NFL. You're not doing. I'm playing three lineups and just changing the defense, right? Right. The, the overwhelming majority of the time, the the core concept of the lineup is different. Is different, right? It's probably different. Which, the win which condition is different. Yes, which typically means different stacks. Again, not you know not to get down some other, you know, but there are times where I will have a, a strong conviction on something and play multiple of the same one. But then, like you said, okay, now the running backs are different. The defense is different. Maybe the stack is slightly different, right? It's the Cowboys. So I don't want to be it to just be uh, Mari and CB lamb. I want some Gallup or Blake Jarwin or whatever. Anyway, point, point being, uh, you know, to, like, it's, it's such a funny thing to the age old Twitter debate, right? Like, oh, you're just covering, you know, no, you're playing. Everybody can win when you play 150 lineups. You're just playing, you know, a uh, little bit of it. What, what uh, Dean Dean said that uh, he might never live that down in the history 10 of, of, of DFS. To you, oh, you're just playing 10% of everybody, right? Like, the funny thing that people don't, maybe don't realize, and maybe we, maybe they do, and I, uh, you know, I'm just reiterating it, is what you are doing. What what Osimo is doing, what Utakao is doing, what every good, you know, uh, Ricky D is probably the best example. Ricky D and Wakey Wakey are probably the best example. Of well, well, they, well, they, what, they, they so, go high. So what I do, but, but that's what I, they're they're playing similarly to how I play with a hundred and with a right. hundred and fifty fifty lineups. They take typically like one big strong stand that's really high that's really high variance, and that's their win condition, right? Because they are not covering all their other bases because that's, that's the dumbest myth of all time. But they are. That you know they have a way 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 more shots on goal if this one thing breaks their breaks their way than everybody else does. So anyway, but what you are doing, what they are doing, is the same the same thing as me. I happen to be more more skillful at the one team or the three teams. That that has nothing to do with like my ability being better than than anyone's as a DFS player. I don't even think it is better than any. It's how I personally am wired to think about things to better, you know, it's also like my sanity. I'm better. Like it, it, it helps me and my process to just manage one or three teams or that's the same thing. I can't play a bunch of sites. I can play two. I, I, I have tried to do Yahoo. I tried to do these other, you know, over the years, all these goddamn sites that have popped up over, you know, the last five years, I've tried to do that. I can't, I can't manage it. So it, it's all those different things. And, 
But you would have, but, but Eric, you would approach the also, I think the bigger difference is not the number of lineups. The bigger difference is the contests. Correct. Like if you were to play one lineup for the 150 max, you, you could still do that, but your approach would be some more, more likely than not. If you were just playing one lineup for the 150, all those, all those, those leverage positions that are in the smaller field are much less. Like we've discussed yes. when we first in NFL in October when we were going over it, it's like you said Anthony Santander's like sixty percent owned, but he's twenty eight in the in the like you don't get as much leverage. He's still the highest owned. He's still the highest owned batter, but you don't yeah. get as much of it. So for you to build one lineup in the large field versus one lineup in the small field, like it's it's so much easier. Or simpler. That's the right. That's the difference between yeah. easier and simpler. Uh, yeah. Your approach is, it's it's two different. It's it pr- pretty much it's two different skills. To me, I view as in the large field, in the small field. Truthfully, in the small field, there are less plus EV lineups. Agreed. Right. Because like yesterday mm-hmm. in yesterday's slate, if you were to go in and build a five-three Rockies Padres lineup in a small field 150 man whatever that's negative it's negative ev like you're 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 not going to win though the projection is going to be so low mm-hmm. and you're going to be so over leveraged when you win you're going to win by 60 points and that's just what you might as you that should be usually playing in the large field stuff but in yep. the small field stuff you didn't have to like you don't have to get even to the nuts extent that i get so like you could have played like just playing the Mariners stack and going, well, I'm not playing Montes, so I'm gonna play Snell, I'm gonna play Gomber, and I'm gonna play Mariners, and because I'm playing Mariners, I'm playing San I play Santana, I play yeah. the Oreo, I play the Chalk Oreo guy in that line. Yeah. And that that has a higher expected value than your off the wall fucking Rocky shit. Because the high the high score in those contests doesn't have to be the nuts. When Elias Diaz hits a home run in your contest, he may legitimately be zero percent owned. Yeah. Right. And he's like, you don't even have to worry about it. Exactly. There's one point four seven percent owned in the large field. So <laughs> when I have two lineups with him in it, like, I, someone may whoever whoever had that the catcher that hits a home run is more likely to be in the winning GPP lineup in large field than it is in small field. Eric Haas, with zero points, could have been in the winning lineup in the small field high-stakes contest. So yep. because of that, see, this is this is what I'm highlighting the, between me and you. It naturally, because of that, limits the amount of decisions you need to make. Right? Because you could just throw out right. the Rockies. You could throw out the yep. Mets. You could throw exactly. out the Padres. You could, like, it's just unnecessary. Like, the projection is low enough that it's just, uh, you're not, you're, yet yeah, you'll be, you'll be the only one with the Padres stack. But, and if it hits, you still may lose, but it doesn't hit as often. And Woodruff isn't as high owned in those contests as he was in the large field contests. But when I'm trying, I, I'm playing to virtually hit the nuts, right? Mm-hmm. I need the highest scoring team. I need the guy that hits three home runs. I need in my lineup. Yeah. Then I'm going to need right. it. I'm going to need the, I'm going to need 45 plus points at pitcher. I'm going to need like on a 13 game slot. I'm going to need, I'm going to need that. So the amount of win conditions there are a lot, a lot more. Some in, 
It's a 35,000 person contest, entry contest. <laughs> someone has a pirate stat. There's, there's going to, pirates are going to be 1% owned. There's someone's going to have, if they go off of 14 runs, I lose if I don't have yeah. a pirate stack. And pirates go off of 14 runs in your contests. Well, who's the second highest scoring team? Because yeah. who the hell has matter, that right? in the 150 man contest? No, no one. Mate. And if someone does, and sometimes you do see someone played a pirate stack and they have a pitcher with negative 12. Right? Yep. Like they get screwed in some other way. It's like they, they got that 1% on stack, but you know, they have a zero one off. They don't have the, the uh, Chalk Acuna at, 40, at, at, at 68% owned in the large field, goes for 24 points. And they don't even yep. have that guy in the line. And then now, now they're dead also. But yep. those considerations that I need to make, you don't. So that's why when, yeah. I, view it, when I view a slate that's 13 games, I go, how's. My mind just exists to there's thousands upon thousands of plus EV lineups, and many of them are virtually equal to one another. So what am I supposed to? Uh, I might as well just close my eyes, and like if I had to pick one, like I guess you could force me to. There's going to be marginal differences, but at the end of the day, it's if if the contest allows me to build, put in as many as I can, and they're all to me equal EV then why, why shouldn't I? And they're negatively correlated with one another. Like the yeah. difference between Ricky right. D and Wakey Wakey is that they play their 150 as if it's one lineup. They yeah. go, I think it's good. They're going to go, I think the best spots are, compared to ownership, are the Blue Jays and the Angels and, you, and, and these two pitchers, and they have like 90% of this pitcher, 82% of that pitcher, and then they have like 50% of those, those teams out of yep. all the lineup spots. So like even the ninth hitter, they have like 18% of Brett Phillips on the Rays or, <laughs> or, or whoever, Jose Iglesias, they have in the shortstop spot, they have 36% of him, <laughs> even though he's only 2% owned. And it's like, well, they pick those teams, they ran it. Those two teams do well. They have tons of shots. Many times they'll be in first, fourth, seventh, eighth, like because they've just given themselves as many outs as possible by one strategic decision with 150 lineups. Most 150 maxers are more of the diversified portfolio, similar to what what I do, Mm -hmm. where uh, they may have more or less that barbell approach, more or less of certain teams. But nothing where it's quite possible. It's quite possible on a slate of thirteen games. I don't have a single hitter over twenty in over twenty percent of my lineups. I don't have a single pitcher over in thirty five percent of my lineups, depending on how it works out. And it doesn't mean I'm playing chalk stack chalk pitcher lineups. It just means, well, like on yesterday's slate with the with the Mariners against Montes. It's like, well, shouldn't I have Mariners Orioles lineups? I should also have Mariners Twins lineups. I should have Mariners Tigers lineups. I should have Mariners Indians lineups. I should have, like, I don't want to get into the position where I'm over on the Mariners and leveraging off a of Montes and I just don't happen to have a, a team. Con- yeah. Right, I don't have the, right. I have less, <laughs> but I would have less Mariners Brewers combinations. Why? Because right. that would be almost too much like now I'm stacking against both of the chalk. Like I may have one or two of those lineups, but yeah, I have because, my, like so said, my yeah, Orioles. Yeah, so when you, you look at my exposures, you see I have. Oh, you had 15% Anthony Santander. 
even though he was like chalk. It's like, but look at the lineups he was in. Mm-hmm. He was in stacks with Marin. He was mostly in in places where I have means instead of wood, where I don't have all of that. So like it just based on my, that's why going just by based on the exposure doesn't give you the whole, whole picture. Sometimes I'll have 25% of a chalk guy. Sometimes when Acuna is 25% owned and I have, I've, I may have 25% of them only because I'm playing so many contrarian stacks that why not play the highest projected player in, in many of the, in just fit. I'm not playing. I may not even be playing many brave stacks, but if he fits in those spots, then he fits in those spots. And if he, right. if, the, if the ownership works out that way, the ownership works out that way. But people would look at that and go, you didn't even fade the highest, highest don't hitter. It's like, well, if the highest don't hitter goes off, I've, I still, I, I could, I still, I still win in your yeah. lineups with your brave stacks and your chalk pitchers. If Acuna goes off, your, your, your lineup is now correlated with so many other lineups in the contest. You're going to need 250 points to win. Me, I just it need, really, I just need the brave stack to fail, Acuna to do well, and my stack to score 10 runs. And that's my win condition. And they, and they it, but, but there's so many, see, Eric, there's just, when you do the analysis, if you simulate this out, you'll find that there's, there's most likely an plus EV. If you stacks that are equal to each other of every team on the slate. Right. There but, may not be many yeah. of them. Like the pirate stack, there may only be, may <laughs> only be five total lineups that are positive expected value. And the chalk team, there may be 780 lineups that are plus EV. But what the 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 six hundredth lineup of that team and the first lineup of the Pirates have the same EV. So if you're going to end up playing this lineup here, you might as well just play the you, to diversify. You might as well just play the other team also. So these are the considerations. Like it's to me, it's not a matter of how many lineups. It's a matter of playing plus EV lineups and the and if, if you can make more, why wouldn't you? And if you can't get, make more, then s- fucking stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, I haven't even necessarily, I don't know if I've ever thought about it this way. The conversation's really good in terms of outlining the difference between between the contests. And I don't mean like, <clears throat> what I, 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 I'll just break down what I mean. From, a, from how you approach it as the player crafting the lineup. And I don't, I don't mean anything about the EV of the lineup. I don't mean anything about roster construction. I mean, what your goal is when you enter tonight, again, there's a $1,500 contest on, on DraftKings. That's not even necessarily the, the perfect example. Cause it's a, a little bit bigger field than most. How, 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 how big is the field? 750. Okay. That's normally still under a like, thousand. Right. Yeah. Normally, but normally like the, you get 1500 and above it's like, one yeah well, 100 100 people right. 200 people max but which 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 that's the thing those are where i really prefer like that that's 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 what i why what i really prefer because that's when you get the austin meadows and anthony santander 65 percent owned when you start getting really really you know the micro contests so anyway but the difference in those contests and even um to a lesser extent you'll also find you know, in the in this fifteen hundred tonight, right? That's it's a million dollar prize pool. It's two hundred fifty k to first place. The the sharp guys play it smart. They play it, they play it how how they would always play it. But I have noticed that you get, you know, they they hand out a lot of tickets to these to these things. So you get a fair amount of soft money in these contests, and those people are very unwilling 
to play, you know, they, like if this was the six game slate last night, you know, they would get the Orioles. San, San, Yes, because they are they are they're not playing this low project then they're not playing guys against an ace, right? So yesterday was a really crazy slate because of that. It was like the only way to get that relative value is you like suck it up and play guys against Blake Snell, suck it up and play guys against Lance Lynn, right? And like the the the, the soft money people, that's just the brain just doesn't like that that fries up. Fifteen hundred dollars is a lot of money to them. And they're like, exactly. I got I have one lineup and I gotta play it safe. But I mean exactly. but we how many times have we said over years? I've said over years the biggest edge in all of DFS is those is 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 the min, the min cash crew is the yes. is the people playing to like it's not the dead money of people that leave injured players that you know that yeah. build distinctly absolutely ridiculously horribly projected lineups it's the people that build lineups that have a have that have a top 20% chance much higher than my lineups but have virtually yeah. no win equity Exactly. And so to, to kind of elaborate further on that point with these smaller field contests, what, what, what I believe the total difference in strategy and not total, because you are also betting on failure, but in the smaller field contest, it is almost an in, entirely a bet against the two or three things that I know with total certainty, a huge percentage of my opponents are doing. And that 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 is that's what happens on like last night, and such an exorbitant number, uh, uh, such an exorbitant percentage of my opponents in a small field contest, particularly these these good players, and like I, they're they're good players. It's just they don't give a shit about this one. Like they they just play their, their you know th- there's there's they play their top projected lineup out of their one fifty set. Yeah, that's pre- a lot of times that's what happens. Not that much, yeah, it's not the NFL like the. You know, in the in the the two thousand dollar the luxury box in the NFL, you can win multiple hundreds of thousand dollars. That's not what hap- That's not what exists in 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 MLB. Those high stakes contests they've gotten worse this year. Now there's some other good you know good contests. So anyway, you, you, I, I, there's only a couple of like you said win conditions. There's a couple of leverage points on on any slate, and they are more valuable to me. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes we do get right the big slate where Austin Meadows is sixty percent, but that that is valuable to me, and it is more valuable to me in a smaller contest. All the rest of the stuff about the EV of all the other teams, it, it really doesn't matter. Like, I, like I, I'm picking, like you said, I'm throwing out. We talk going back to the very original thing. I'm throwing out the Woodruff thing because it's too. It's just too low of a of a projection because I don't need. We, again, you don't we need about 200 this. points. I don't the, you don't need I don't that. need the nuts. I don't need the nuts. I need to give me these two things, right? Blake Snell sucks and, you know, probably three things. And the Orioles and Tigers, you know, each score three runs or whatever, right? Like those things happen and it's like, boom, uh, I'm alive, right? <laughs> Please, God, no Anthony Santander home run, you know, which is a lock to happen. But it, give me no Anthony Santander home run. Give me a bad Blake Snell outing. It's like boom, I'm live to take first in this thing. That's it. And so on a slate like tonight, like, like I, I'm just betting on that. Like w- eventually, I have to make a decision, right? On am I playing the Mariners? Am I playing the Brewers? Am I playing whatever? But that almost doesn't matter because you could it, find because you could find so many like the the, yeah. the EV lineups that are available for that. It's for that win condition are just so immense yeah. that they're all about equal. So whatever you cho- like, it's it's weird to say. Whatever you choose is about equal to like if you would have chose, uh, well, I'm going to play the White Sox in this lineup, or I would have played the Twins in the like it wouldn't have, 
Like you could build the lineup with about the same EV with the same exact win condition or yep. the loss, the, the, your opponent's loss condition. That's the yeah, best, exactly. better way to put it. But, yep. and since you only could build one lineup in that contest, since or three lineups in the contest or whatever, like you're just going to choose one. You, you could have, if you wanted to, if I were to give you, if I were to run out the sim and given you equal, about equal, obviously it's not exact because the number we have projected ownership and like, it's not, yeah. you're not going to know exactly until you actually get everything. Uh, and I said, okay, you're going to fade the Orioles and you're going to fade Blake Snell. Like that, that was your, that was your, okay, that's my path to first place by not <laughs> having these two things happen. And I gave you combinations of everything that isn't that. And I said, here's 10 of them. They're all the same expected value, even though each 10 have a different stack and a different pitchers or whatever. Like from your perspective, you could just close your eyes and pick one. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. So like I whichever everybody one. Everybody has their own process for specifically tracking right. and stacking those and picking one. But at the end of the day, the point is that it, yeah, it, it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because the main thing is that you need these two things not to happen. And, and then, then I need to find a projected lineup. Uh, and, and then, like you said, then I need a good enough projected lineup with enough right. expected value beyond those two things. Right. Cause then like I said, back to the Woodruff thing, or you said uh, what, like the Rockies. Rockies. But, but like I said, no I'm giving you, I'm giving you those 10 choices. One of them isn't yeah. going to be the Rockies for your right. content. Right. right. It's one of them. It isn't going to be uh Padres against Woodruff. It isn't going to be, but I'm going to give you 10 choices that are about the same. If I ran out the Sims, they'd be about the same. If you pick one of them, it's not like, from a mathematical perspective, if we ran this out 100,000 times, you'd win as much money picking one of them versus picking the, the other one. The difference now is that you're playing, you're playing a contest with one to three entries, with one entry or whatever. I'm playing a contest where I, I can play all 10 of them if I fucking want, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so what, why not play all 10? Like, once I figure that these are all plus EV and all equal to each other, or marginally equal or whatever, close, I, I have the ability to put these in, then... I, I get 10 different win conditions. Okay. All, but the difference is, is that I know that I'm burning money doing that. You have to have, yeah. it's impossible not to. Because remember, outside of someone like Wakey Wakey and Ricky D, like the, the diversified strategy means you're hedging against one another. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hedge fund type of, type of portfolio where I have I have a win condition here where the Mariners go off on Montes, but I also have a win condition here where the Twins go off on Means, right? I have a Means Mariners lineup, and then I have a Montes Twins lineup, and it's like they are negatively correlated to one another. It's imp it's nearly impossible for both these lineups to win at the same time. If one lineup, yeah. the further almost impossible, it's yeah. almost impossible, right? Because we could have a middling. Every team could score three runs, and all the pitchers <laughs> yeah. could have ten points. It could be. It could be one. Of, it could be really weird. It could where everyone has about the same amount of points. But I could go for a weird slate that isn't goddamn sixty percent hitters scoring thirty points every night. <laughs> that would be. I could go for one of those slates. But but the but the point that I'm making is that if I spend ten bucks on a lineup, on the means, the the means Mariners lineup, and I spend ten bucks yeah. on the Montes Twins lineup. I'm guaranteed to have burned ten dollars. Correct. Yeah. Right. I've I've got I've nearly guaranteed to 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 reduce 
like the, the potential, like, yes, if I'm playing 150 lineups at 10 bucks a piece at $1,500, like 700, like, like a good 500, a good $500 of the entries are going against the, uh, another $500 worth of the, like, it's impossible, like, it's impossible for them to both win at the same, like, it's impossible for it to happen. I'm, cause I'm playing lineups that are, have a win condition that are directly opposite of other lineups. So my, my average cost, my cost basis in, in, the, in, in stock market terms of my lineups is actually higher than $10. Yeah. Right? Correct. Because really, I'm playing a $10 lineup and I'm hedging with another $10 lineup. And it's quite possible that the outcomes could be that obviously neither team does well enough and yep. neither pitcher does well enough and they neither of them cash. That one does slightly better than the other. One min cashes for 1.5x and one doesn't. So now I lose yep. money. As it gets further away, this could be 2x and this could go down further. Now I'm breaking even. So like the more that I play lineups that are negatively correlated to each other, the higher I need those ceilings of those lineups to go to yes. make up for the fact that I have a lineup that is completely opposite. Cause there's no, once you get below the cash line, there isn't like anything luck. Like there's no, there's no lower, <laughs> right? There's no negatively it's lower. Sklansky bucks. It's only right. Sklansky bucks down it's, there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all Sklansky bucks down there. Uh, <laughs> so this is, this is what I mean by building lineups that you need. You need first place win equity because mm-hmm. If I'm going to play, this this all comes into this this 150 myth and playing so many lineups is that the more lineups that you're playing that are negatively correlated to one another, the the more ex, the 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 more expensive the contest becomes for you, and the more important that your lineups have 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 higher win equity, because when you're playing one lineup, like if it min caches, great. If it two x's, three x's great. You don't have to make up for any other entries in your contest, right? Mm -hmm. If you're playing five entries, let's say, let's say you're playing five entries and they, they all are there. None of them are negatively correlated to each other. So you're playing, they're not stacking against one of the other teams. You're not doing anything like that. What you're doing now is giving yourself five different win conditions and they could all come in different spots. Now, once you start adding more lineups, they have to, these lineups have to be negatively start to be negative more negatively correlated with the lineups that you originally built because one can't win and the other can't like you're not gonna yep. have a slate where 14 teams put up 15 runs and it's like as long <laughs> as you had one of these 15 teams right you're fine like no you're eventually gonna get to the point where you're playing a lineup where well if the Tigers put up a lot of runs then this lineup loses and if let so once you get once you build more lineups you start getting more and more negatively correlated with each other. And therefore the lineups that do win have to win more to make up for the lineups that lose. So when people say uh, like, Oh, you put in 150 lineups and it's like, well, if I, it most days I'm losing 30%. Most days yeah. uh, average about 30%. There, there are some days like I've had in, in, in the past, like I even wrote it down cause I went through it. In the past, what? It's been almost two months. And in large field GPPs, I've come in third, fifth, third, seventh, fourth, and tenth. Okay? It, I'm still losing Pretty money. Good. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm still, I'm still yeah. like, coming in, I, I have one, two, three, I have six top ten finishes. 
But even on a, on a day where I can't, I come in 10th, I lost, I, the day that I came in 10th, I think I lost money in the, I think I still lost money in the contest because the 10th place finish still didn't pay for a ton of lineups that were, didn't even cash. Right. And that's how I think, I think I was, I've been kind of thinking about it, pondering it while you were, you were talking about it and how I would equate the small field one lineup and single, single entry people is that a slate for me is like one, that one, like one lineup or, or maybe one, you know, maybe there's a subset of your, your lineups that is, is that, that's the one slate for me, right? You have a win condition and you, you need the 150 for that, for that contest. Otherwise you're never going to realize the monetary gains from hitting that win condition, right? I could, I could do, I could throw my one team into the 150 max contest and it's almost a stone guarantee that I will not be profitable all year. I could make the most plus EV lineup every single slate and I will, it's almost a lock. I will, I will not be profitable over the, over the course of the season. Only because only cause of sample because, size. Because because of because of sample size within that within the specific parameters of of that contest, right? I am I am taking your that the the one lineup that I would put in there and putting it into the appropriate contest where, like you said, you have to make up for those those you know, negatives down here with the right. Even the tenth place doesn't doesn't make up for it. That's the same thing for me, but it's it's okay. This slate today, it's like probably going to be a zero. Like I, I'm just I understand the fact that I'm going to enter this contest and it's probably not going to bring me back any money. But if I do this repetitive process enough over and over and over when it's right, it's much easier for me to get that, that first place finish as opposed to you, you have to enter those 150 every, every day because even when you hit that win condition, it's still really hard as you right, just in the large field contest. You have, I mean, I, I come, I come in seventh place, with a line like on the nutso day, with the the million points being scored, and it's like 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 dude, it just came. It, it sometimes it comes down to I, I I think I think what two weeks ago I came in fifth on Fanduel, and it and it and it came down to like like a, a like a double in the gap. Like what one of my hitters hit like it was bases loaded, and it was a double in the gap. And it got caught. Like, but it was like yeah. a good play. It was like if the fielder was if, was not in position right, that would have been like a three RBI double, and I would have won thirty thousand dollars. Like, of course, <laughs> but that's in the middle of the slate. Like, this wasn't like at the end of the game. It's just that I yeah. realized that it's like, oh, I had the stack of this team, and that guy scored twelve points and not thirty-two points. And if I had the extra twenty points, I would have came in first place. It's like the difference with like imagine if I switched one guy out. And had the right guy in, I would have won first place also. Exactly. Now I just didn't have. But you to. need the one fifty, right? To have so that combination, to... I need that combination, right? You don't need that combination. You could you could take a Brewers stack in that yesterday slate with the like I had a Brewers stack competing with a Kane zero. Yep. And he's at first and second. The bullpen's out. I'm like, come on, and then he flies out. And but a Kane zero in your contest could be in the winning lineup. Yeah. In my contest, because, it's, it's it's quite unlikely because the win condition is a failure of my opponents, and then my team just needs to be good enough. Right, right. right. I, need, I need the I need, failure need, of my opponents, to, and my team still has to come high yes. and still needs to get still gets has to get enough points. Right, exactly. But you you get a little bit of you know 
I'm going to get zero, 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 zero. Oh, 20, 20 grand, right? Up zero, 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 zero for long stretches. And, and whereas you, you know, you're definitely going to get those, those, those bad days. But I'm never like going to get said, a zero in general. I'm, I'm in never general, getting zero. I'm negative, negative 30%. Right. right? I'm, I'm turn. I'm like, when I play on FanDuel 150, I'm turning 750 into 580. Yeah. A lot of days or 550 or 620. And then when I come in, when I get a lineup in eighth place, I turn 750 into 1283. I mean, like, it's like, because I still have so many losing lineups that has to make up for. So like, like a normal 750 into 550 into losing 200 bucks. But that's primarily because I'm playing diversified. Someone like Ricky D or Wakey Wakey. He has a similar graph to me, right? Except with 150. 50, right. He's more likely to have minus 90% days. While me, yeah. I'm not likely. But doesn't mean that the e- the EV of each individual lineup are not the same. It's it's right. just a matter of uh, it's a matter of how it's it's bankroll and time period. You mm-hmm. could you you could put in maybe not the same exact lineup that you would put in the small field, but. You could play the 150 max with one lineup and have the highest EV lineup out of any lineup in the contest. And over the sample size of 100,000 slates, you will be the most profitable player. Over 100,000 slates. (laughs) Right? Are we going to ever get to a, like, because you're going to need, because I have 150 times more likely, if if I built the same EV lineups that you did, like I just have 150 times more, as long as I'm building plus EV lineups, like the, the whole thing comes down to, you have to be building higher EV lineups than your opponents, right? Because the EV of your lineup is dependent of, of your opponent's lineups. Yep. Now, the reason why I get attracted to large field, it still comes down. I mean, this is, this is I think that this is the struggle between me and you on uh, the thematically on this podcast in general, is that it's, I can't get around, you know what I'm going to say. I can't get around the fact where the, like the fundamental theory of games, the fundamental theory of games, the, the edge that you get the most is the relative skill between you and your opponents. Like that, that is the crux of games. Right. Mm-hmm. If you were to play basketball against a midget in a wheelchair, like I'm going to make more money over you playing some high school, you know, basketball player that maybe you're still better than, but like, no, I'm going to be able to, I'll, I'll be able to beat the midget in the, in the wheelchair. Uh, so the large, I, I, I can't get around the fact that I look at the large field contest and go, I don't, the, even though brick 75, may have more higher EV lineups than me. He puts in 150 and maybe 50 of them or 40 of them are higher than some of my lineups, right? Awesomeo puts in 150. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe his average EV of his lineup is higher than mine, right? The Colts or whoever, you know, Steve puts in lineups, whoever, all the good players. There's still 50% plus of the field that I look at and go, what the fuck are you doing? Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, I just look at that and go, the average of the con, like, my lineups are above average to the whole field. But then you go into the mid stakes, like the $66 or $88, which is like maybe like a 40 max or whatever the hell it is. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I look at the, I look at those CSVs and I build, sometimes I'll build five lineups for that. I'll, you know, I'll dabble in those. Uh, the average, the average lineup strength is so much higher because you don't like that, that the bottom level is like maybe three to 5% of the field versus the yeah. bottom level on the large field could be 25% of the field of lineups. It's hard for me. I know the swings are bigger. But especially in baseball, where there's there's slates of sizes where it's like you could pick 10, 20 different fucking things. Like, why don't I get, just get the best of both worlds? I don't have to worry about picking one thing, and I'm playing against weaker players. The downside is that the variance is going to be high, and my swings are going to be big. But in MLB, I don't mind it as much because I just think that the linear uh, way that basketball projections are, and even even NFL, like I yeah. I don't have that much I I don't have that much problem. If you told me it's like I'll play play the three max, play the the spy in NFL, I have no problem doing that. I'll pick I'll pick the best the best lineup I think it is. I'll get leverage and whatever. I'm fine with that. But it just in baseball, it's like the same dynamics in play, and there's still tons of dead money, dead or min cash money as I call it. In the in the, yeah. in the large field contests, like I I I, how do I just sit there and do what you do and just like I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play seven hundred and seventy seven dollars or whatever the hell it is, mm-hmm. or fifteen hundred, and go I'm taking the Mariners, oof, or, or, or <laughs> like 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 dude I could build so many more lineups and like I just my mind works like I, how do I pick one I I would legitimately just close my eyes and just go. Just whatever, but it feels like I have so much more of an advantage than play than try to play one good lineup against a field that has a much higher average lineup than play a hundred lineups or whatever. It's not always one hundred and fifty. I play eighty, yeah. hundred depends mm-hmm. uh, against a field where I know that a quarter of the field has almost no shot at first place. So the one thing I did just want to double back on this year the mid stakes thing and so it just reminds me of uh you know kind of your analogy to 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 barbell but i i I think the the barbell concept applies like across a lot of different things specifically like in in our gambling space and i think one of the worst things you can do is is middle just about just about anything and that also somewhat relates to what i'll talk about with the, the smaller field stuff but if i if i were telling somebody to to start playing dfs those mid stakes is is precisely what what I would avoid. Not necessarily like the single entry and three max stuffs, just because those are the best contests in terms of payout structure and and that kind of thing. You know, they have like the one twenty one hundred twenty one dollar single entry. Like some of those are are good contests. So I I don't necessarily say I would tell you to avoid those, but like the mid stakes multi entry are like like that's just the worst. Like you're you're basically uh, competing against the exact same lineups that I'm competing against in terms of the skillfulness um, and the EV of those lineups. And you're just competing against more and you, and you're not getting any advantage in terms of, of field size and competition level, anything you're, there, there's no advantage in those, in those contests. So I would be telling people to play the contests that you're playing, right? Like you said, 150 on, especially FanDuel, um, which is maybe something we can talk about a different time. Fan, uh, but, coming, oh, maybe we can't, maybe, around. maybe touch on this a little. Is it yeah. just me? Because remember, I played primarily on DraftKings for the longest time. I don't necessarily love FanDuel's product. I think their payout yeah. structures are even worse than DK's. They're bad, yeah. Uh, but the 
I, I, it's been a year. I've been playing NBA cash games on FanDuel. Now I've been playing MLB cash. I now I play MLB GPPs on FanDuel. It I I can't I, I can't get past it any further with the with just maybe not maybe it's not mathematical like scientific evidence but just a preponderance of anecdotal evidence that the user base on FanDuel is much softer than DraftKings. I, I I couldn't agree more. I was talking uh, just recently about that to to somebody like I have I have played almost entirely on DraftKings for you no. Know, I started out on FanDuel and then I realized how much worse of a product it was than, than DraftKings a long time ago. And I just, I, I, I had some success on DraftKings. I think the product is like infinitely, infinitely better. Um, this season specifically for what, like you said, it could be, it could be, you know, I'm just convincing myself of, of this thing. I've had more success, generally speaking, on, on FanDuel across all sports. And I think um, I'm also noticing a little bit of, like the, the the super super sharp players, like if I go into a higher stakes contest on FanDuel, it is not just all of the the best players on the planet. Right, you get some rando like in it, there. You get there's like, there's rand there's randos in there. I think there are some some of these really sharp players that are, are also kind of fed up with the FanDuel product. You know, they there's you know the last year's been crazy. Some people have left the you know playing and all that. There's a lot of other factors. But when I go into like I even I played one of the higher stakes contests in NBA on set on Saturday, my lineup was shit, and I almost and I almost cashed and I, I just remember it because I'm looking through the leaderboard and I'm like, who the fuck are all these? like I, I don't even know half the field. And you're playing you know, what, it, this it, is the monster, right? This this one was the uh, whatever it was like the fifteen hundred, uh, you know. So it's like thirty people. It was like because I played it because it was overlaying, uh, which is another thing that we maybe can get into. There's there's not there's much in, more overlay on on FanDuel than there not is. In, yeah, yep. Yeah, not in not in like the. Anyway, there's there's much more overlay opportunities in general on FanDuel. All the DK stuff fills like every day, pretty much. So I'm finding some competition edges on FanDuel. I think um, I'm still playing DraftKings because they have some of these contests. Like we'll see more of these, like this 1500 tonight, or more random one-off contests that you know you can easily make your. You can make multiple years worth of worth of winnings on there, and that doesn't exist quite as much on Fanduel. But uh, I, I think, yeah, the, the field is softer. I haven't figured out exactly what it is, but I think some of it is people, you know, some of the best players might be might be leaving Fanduel uh, a little bit, and then there's just more. I don't know what it is about Fanduel that attracts the the casual player to to play there, but that seems to be the case for me. So that has part. That, that's a partial answer, I think, to what you're kind of saying is like, why don't you play, uh, uh, you know, 150? It's it's a lot of different things. I'm not good at it. You know, um, I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy it. And part of this is, you know, a hobby for me. It's 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 a money making hobby, but it is it is a hobby. So I want to enjoy it, and I enjoy just kind of the one well, one to three line. This wasn't supposed to be an intervention, or I'm I, I didn't say that as why are aren't you? It's just I'm trying to justify why. I do instead of doing your like, like I see I people think, posting these oh, like, these. Oh, I won a hundred thousand dollars in the twenty five hundred dollar contest, and I'm like, like I I just I just don't play. And it, to to me, it's not I. To me, it's not a matter. Just same thing with the quali- qualifiers, right? You know, I don't play qualifiers, so you're not going to see me posting from live finals or anything. It, <laughs> but just because it's a higher entry fee. 
doesn't make it a more skillful, skillful contest, right? When you play, when you play against a hundred people in a $1,500 contest, right? Single entry, whatever you play the monster on FanDuel or whatever, whatever the hell it's called on DraftKings, uh, the average skill level is much higher, but the raw skill level is not anything higher than anyone that's playing 150 max con. I mean, it's a it's a different. They're they're different skills. They're different games. They're, they're different the, the game. Like like it's it's games. hard to always explain that 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 it's almost like me and you are playing different games. Yes. Like it's like I'm playing Limit Hold'em and you're playing Potlumin Omaha and we're going, <laughs> well, you're you're playing like it's two different it's two different games. It looks the same, but it's but and I could play your game and you could play my game, but I play my game so much better than I could play your game and vice yep. versa that yep. it's not like it's not like we're doing anything different. We're trying to find where 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 the edges are. That hot, that accentuate our our own personal skill set more, and we're both above average on all the skill sets. It's just which one, and some people do it all. I mean, obviously, some people do it all. Yeah. But uh, like on Fanduel, like the reason I've been playing a lot more GPPs on Fanduel, even though the price structure is fucking awful, <laughs> is that I, I you could always tell by ownership. Like to me, you could always I I go in. There's more times than not on DraftKings that I'm not surprised at ownership. More times than not, what I expect on DraftKings is what I get. Like, the DraftKings are like, I go, you know, this picture is going to be about this own. More people are going to play this. And it's like, it almost always a lot. Like, I may be off a little, but for the most part, I, I know what the three chalk stacks are. I know what the three chalk pitchers are. I know about how much they're going to be owned. This guy's going to be about 40-ish. This guy's going to be about 20-ish. This stack's going to be about 18%. Acuna's going to be 25 Someone, you know, Trout, whoever, the high-priced guy, you're going to be able to fit that guy in. Everyone's going to go up at shortstop. Turner's going to be, like, and then it, it ends up coming out about that way. Fandle right. sometimes. Like, <laughs> I mean, sometimes, I mean, it, it may be bad for my own personal calculations because now it's like, now it's like, okay, I guess I didn't need that much leverage because, like, what? What what why why is Garrett Cole only thirty six percent owned on this slate? I mean, like yeah. it's a one pitcher site, and I'm like, like dude, I thought Cole would be sixty percent owned. Mm-hmm. Like, and I I see or or some stacks, I go, oh okay, the you know I I know who the chalk the Braves are going to be owned because they're underpriced. Okay, on FanDuel, I get it. They're going to be owned. Uh, uh, the Nationals are like the third best stack, so they're going to be they're going to be like twelve percent owned. So I'm going to have some of them, and then you go. And the Nationals, and you look, and Trey Turner's six percent owned. Juan Soto is eighteen percent owned because it probably is a one-off. And you go, Josh Bell is three percent owned. And you look at the Braves, and the Braves, Freeman is twenty-five percent, and Acuna is thirty-two percent. Like all of the ownership went to the Braves, and it's like the Nationals are like the third best. St- I mean, like they're not far. Why are they? Why are they so low owned? And then why is the why is the hot what? The, it's it's one of these slates where like there's one it, it's like Scherzer and then like like for some odd reason like uh, someone's like ninety five hundred that that shouldn't be 
Yeah. That's like a decent Martin picture. Like, Perez. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Made, but not Perez. as bad as Martin <laughs> Perez, but something, something like Kenta Maeda, like someone yeah. that really shouldn't be, but like the highest price picture is 11,000. It's like Scherzer. And I'm like, okay, Scherzer is going to be 50% on on this slate. This is easy. And I look at my GPP ownership. He's 32% on. I'm like, where I'm looking on, where did everyone spend their money? I don't even understand this. And then you go look and you see that that $9,500 pitcher is like 11% owned. It's like when he should be 2% owned. Sure and, then, and, then, and then you look at all the high-priced hitters and you go, it's almost like people are like, I'm either going to play Scherzer or I'm going to pay down at pitcher and literally jam in all of the expensive bats mm-hmm. no matter what, even if it's not a stack. And I look through these lineups and I go, why the fuck am I not playing more on this site? Like that, like always. It and 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 it's not it's not like one slate. It just I constantly get surprised by by some of the ownership. Like we're gonna see tonight with uh, with especially the pitchers on this slate. Like I don't even know. Like it it gets it's 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 uh, it's almost unsettling because like on DraftKings it feels like I could gauge what the field's gonna do more, and then I could build lineups based on that. Fanduel sometimes it's just. Like, I think this is what, this is what should, this is what the field should be doing. And then like, I'm never like completely, oh, this team should be 20% on and they're 2% on. It's it's never yeah. like that. Or this team should only be 2% on and then the fucking stone cold chalk. Like it, that, <laughs> it doesn't happen that way, but it gets unsettling where it's like on FanDuel, I'm, I'm my, my overall ownership of lineups like the, the amount of leverage that I get in each line. I, I, I'm, I'm, a lot of times I'm guessing. And a lot of times I end up looking at the ownership on FanDuel and end up, it's it's really weird, Eric. On DraftKings, a lot of times I I, I look at final ownership and I go, based on based on this, based on what I'm seeing right here, I built the lineups I wanted to build. Like that's the, that's that's the, yeah. that's what you should be doing. No, no, not based on the results. Just like, had I known this ownership before the slate, would I have built all these lineups the way that I did? Most of the time on DraftKings, I say yes. Mm-hmm. And lose. <laughs> <laughs> FanDuel, I look at the ownership and I go, had I known this, I probably would have built a whole different set of lineups. Right? Like this line, I would have built more of that and less of this and less of that. And then I win. Right? It, it, yep. It's like, even though I... T- I, I Based on the ownership that comes out, I'm like, okay, I made some mistakes based on that. Like, I still have high projected lineups. So, I mean, I still probably have plus EV lineups, but I may have some that are not. And yet, it's still the average line. It's still better than the average. I still look and go, how, I, and not just in like the top end, but I look at some, like how many lineups I min cash. I go, how did these some line, how did these lineups get there? Right, even like that's why I said like I turned 750 into 580 on a slate where like I'm going I'm turning 750 into 100 today, right? Yeah. Like for the first like yep. by eight o'clock you're like uh this I'm I'm this guy's getting killed I have that picture and this then uh, this is going to be a horrible night because so many people have this and so many people must have that and then the next thing I know I lost like 20 percent I'm like how did I only lose 20 percent on this slate? On DraftKings, if that happens, I lose like 90, I go minus 90% on those. Like when that, if I built a hundred lineups on DraftKings and that exact situation happened, my thousand dollars turns into a hundred. On FanDuel, my thousand dollars turns into 880. And I go, (laughs) where, where, what, what happened? And then I go through some of these, I, I go through some of these lineups and 
the stuff that you see, like the amount that I think the major difference, maybe, like you said, maybe some people are leaving FanDuel. I don't know. That the better players? I don't know why. Uh if there that's competition is this is softer. Uh mm-hmm. FanDuel, you get a lot more of these like home run one off. Oh yeah. Like it's, oh, that's what I was going to bring up. It's, it's amazing to me. You actually get more of a benefit of stacking on FanDuel than you do on DraftKings, and people do it less on FanDuel than they do on right. DraftKings. I build only, uh, almost only. They're, they're, I never want to say anything 100%, but I build basically only four four stacks on on FanDuel. Be, n- not even because I'm like, oh, you have you have to you have to make four four stacks, but because it's literally the easiest way for me to just. Make a team that I can almost guarantee has leverage, even if it that the even if the the ownership on like certain players in there, you know, whatever the specifics of some of the things you were talking about with did I get it right on you know who was the chalk or whatever, especially when you get into uh, you know the monster that's 150 people or whatever, you know, and then you get into like some of these these qualifiers. It, I, I'm not trying to talk shit on any any other you know these most of these guys are are good players. But the amount of lineups that you see with, you know, oh, maybe they have a three-man stack, and then they got Trout, and then they got Acuna, and then they got whatever $2,000 leadoff hitter, right? Then they got Kike Hernandez. And it's like, like I, I just don't understand what, you know, I know that you can make the fucking dream team lineup, right? Like on FanDuel. And I think people get sucked into that as opposed to, I'm like, like okay, I just uh, want to choose. You the, just choose two teams, and if they go off, you win. It, it, it yeah, and because they're so correlate, like the scoring. I don't think people think about that either. On FanDuel, you get an the, extra the point for run, you get an extra point for everything. Yeah, and and even even more, right? Or what? A uh, one point six, and, right? It's like one point three yeah. and one point yeah. six. Yeah. See, I don't even know the. I should probably know the exact fucking scoring, but it, but it does because it doesn't even matter that much. But people don't think about it. It's like, dude, yes, that you played Kike Hernandez, and I played Matt Beatty. Right in my in my Dodger stack, it's like Mookie Betts wasn't some super contrarian thing, but everybody plays Mookie and Seager and Muncie, and then I play Beatty and they play Kike Hernandez. It's like Jesus fucking Christ! One one thing, I, my Beatty is two two percent in this you know two hundred man field, and you have Kike at forty five <laughs> at forty five percent. It's like, it, but that's just you know an example. But the crux of the, the kind of things that happen. The other thing. Um, the, the, your point about Scherzer is perfect that I'm using the BD example because the, the one day BD went absolutely bonkers. I forget whoever oh, that, that, that was. The, they, that was the day with the two, when they scored a, like 12 runs and it was only, only two Dodgers that had all Pollock the RBIs. Yeah. Pollock and Pollock, Pollock had, Pollock and uh, three, three home, three home runs and, and BD hit BD hit like two home runs in the first three innings and had like eight RBIs. It, it, right. it was crazy, but that, that slate was like, and, Be- and Betts guys. is sitting there with zero. <laughs> yeah, and I faded. That's it. I faded bets. I played Scherzer. Scherzer's like ten percent against the Marlins. Right. There's a complete game shutout, and he's he's unowned because everybody decided, like you said, this happens sometimes to me. I can't figure it out. Everybody decided Mookie Betts was more important than Max Scherzer, and they drop and and they drop down. Sometimes we get that, and you get Acuna and Trout and and all this. The other thing that I can't wrap my head around is lineups definitely come preloaded. Well, he's hurt, but lineups come preloaded with Mike Trout. Like and a, a certain number of lineups on FanDuel, I'm almost certain people just go in. And well, they not, just I mean, not for the trout. next six weeks or whatever, but yes, it, it, but before it was right. It's it like, just that oh, the pricing I is. I know so- I can afford them because there's all these cheap right, hitters. Right, right. So people are just like, "Yep, I'm playing trout. I'm just playing them." 
But that, but the, but that's the reason why I build on FanDuel primarily. Like in the small field, I get the four fours because you don't need you don't need the nuts. Yeah. Right. I build primarily four three ones on on FanDuel because it allows me that one off Jeffy Jesse Winker, you know, whatever, you know, yep. allows me to get, and I still curtail my ownership down to the high price guys, but it allows me to like. It's hard to play like Orioles Tigers four fours because you just you can't even spend all the money. So either you're yeah. dropping down your salary floor or you should just take out one of the Tigers and put in uh, Freddie Freeman, you know, or something like But a lot of the times on the large slates on FanDuel, what I'm doing is I'm playing the lesser owned of the higher price. Like, oh, yeah. you know, it's Trout versus, you know, some, some shitbag on the mound or something like that. Yep. Right, and they have a five point seven implied total or something, or Acuna uh, is is in Colorado and he's sixty two. I mean, like that type of thing. And so everyone's playing him, and it's like, no, I just play. I'll play Bryce Harper, right? Yeah. Like I'm still like pay Castellanos. up. Right, yeah. right. I'm playing. Right, I'm playing. Right, something like that. So I'm still spending the money. So I'm not playing. Uh, I'm not playing uh, Jacoby Jones in the Tiger stack, and the four four. I'm taking him out and putting Nick Castellanos in because he's a much better hitter. And I'm, but I still, I, I didn't move my ownership. Like Jacoby yeah, Jones is going to exactly. be 3% owned, but Cassiano is going to be 3% owned because Acuna is going to be 30% owned in the same exact price range. So I'm, it gives me flexibility to do that. But I just see so many lineups in, in the large field that are just like, just not correlate. I just like, I like yeah. either not correlative or pay up. But d- despite no correlation, like you, like yeah, you said, that's, the line, that's the, the thing, I right? Think. The, 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 I find on FanDuel, it's kind of weird on DraftKings because the salary floor is lower, right? Cause you have a 2k hitter, but you also have 6k hitters, right? Yeah. And it's a $50,000 lineup and you have two pitchers, uh, on FanDuel, typically the highest price hitter is like 4,500. Right, mm-hmm. two thousand is still the floor, so it's not as big of a drop, and you only have to play one pitcher, and you get a utility play, player, so that could be of any position. So you have a lot more flexibility on FanDuel. Mm-hmm. Yet, on DraftKings, typically, because the percentage difference, the proportional difference between the salaries, that really, if you're in the major leagues, there should never be a batter that's priced at two thousand. No. Like there's no batter in the major league that's three times less skillful than the highest bat. Like there, there is none. You're in the major leagues. So on DraftKings, most of the time, the optimal, if you just take out ownership, the optimal way to build for ceiling on DraftKings in MLB is barbell, is up and mm-hmm. down, right? Mm-hmm. Is you're playing Owen Miller at second base at 2000, <laughs> hoping he gets, he, he hits a home run. Right or gets goes two for four with a double and two RBI, and then you're jamming in Acuna, you're jamming in Soto and Acuna. Yet on DraftKings, right. yet less people do that on DraftKings. And then on right. FanDuel, the optimal way to build is balanced. Right, yep. is the the two thousand dollar hitters don't matter because you have salary to spend, so you don't have to play twenty one hundred dollar Luis Arias as a one off. <laughs> right. Like what's the purpose of him as a one-off? He barely has any power. Or Darren Fletcher one-off. Those type of those type of plays. You know, the Kiki Hernandez. You know when or, or Starlin Castro's twenty-three hundred at third base. It's like oh, I'm playing him as a one-off. No, no. To me, 
the bet the bet the optimal liners for ceiling are the ones that avoid the four thousand dollar and two thousand dollar hitters, where you're not paying where you're playing Max Kepler at thirty two hundred, you're playing Brandon Lowe at three thousand, you're playing yep. Albies, you're play you're going right down the middle because you get the best of both worlds. You get good hitters that the win condition of those lineups a lot of times are do the higher price guys fail? Yeah. And a lot of times yeah. my lineups on FanDuel depend on that. Like I take a look at I take a look at slates and I go, if Acuna fails, if Soto fails, if Trout fails, if Vlad fails, like, dude, I've eliminated like almost every lineup in the contest. Like exactly. I look at the ownership of all those guys combined and I go, well, we have Freddie Freeman at 22% owned, Vlad at 22% owned, Acuna at 30% owned, Soto at 18% owned, right? You take a, when Trout's available, he's 23% owned. And you look and you go, Judge, Judge is 3,700, he's 20% owned. And you look and I go, if none of, the, like, none of those guys hit a home run, like, dude, like that, that dist- now I'm playing four three ones with, you know, my highest price guy, my lowest price guy is 2,700 and my highest price guy is 3,500. And it's like those the lineups are just not, are, are nowhere as owned. And then I look at the projection difference between the barbell lineups and the balance lineups and it, mo- many of the lineups are equal to each other. Many. Yeah. Some, the barbell ones, because sometimes, you know, Trout and Acuna, they get projected for like two or two extra points. Yeah. But it's like, even then, the difference between my highest lineup if I X'd out all the $4,000 guys, my highest lineup and the highest lineup for the other is like a two-point difference. That's a walk. And, and, That's a and walk. Even then, <laughs> even then, I don't. what I don't get sometimes is, like you said, the projection differences are, are really not that drastic. But I, I think it's, it's actually probably like outside of Trout, right, setting aside the Trout thing. The Braves and the Blue Jays, I don't know what it is, but if they're, if they're you know, like one of the higher projected teams – people just pile on them. I think maybe it's a little bit of the positional stuff, right? They they do kind of, you can make them work, right? The the Blue Jays have, you know, obviously, uh, they all fit infield. You you fill the infield. Yeah. And then like, you know, sometimes people usually choose Teoscar, but if you don't want to pick an outfielder and you leave this outfield open to play Trout and Acuna and all that kind of stuff, you can leave, you can leave that open with the Blue Jays. But for whatever reason, I, it's like, are the Blue Jays in like at least a decent spot? Like, okay, let's just not play the Blue Jays because you're going to open it up and they're all 30, 30 plus percent, right? So people pile pile on that. So it's like, I found so much success. It's like, dude, I can just play the Dodgers. <laughs> I can just play the Reds. You know, that's what you were talking about, about the the Winker thing. So you can even get, the, the Reds are a, a little barbell-ish, you know, because like Castellanos is expensive and, and Winker has gotten to be expensive um, but it was like, okay, Moustakis was, you know, and Suarez are, I, I'm not giving up. I, maybe I'm giving up a little projection, but I'm not giving up upside. These guys are, these, Suarez hit like 50 home runs t- two, two years ago, you know, and he's 2% because everybody's going and getting Bachette, right? So this is kind of that, that middle ground, but I'm also using a little bit of the expensive other stacks. So I'm using bo- kind of both of what you you talked about, right? You're like, well, instead of playing Trout, now I'm now I'm including it in my stack. I'm playing Castellanos and I'm playing Winker instead of the the expensive Trout, right? 
And then I'm also, you know, sometimes using the middle, right? Like I'll use Moustakis. Everybody's going down at whatever second or third or whatever. And, and I'll use, uh, you know, this, this middle ground on this stack. That's like, it's an awesome stack. And on DK, they're all $6,000. It's like, I can't even fit the freaking reds on, on DraftKings because they're a million dollars, but yet still here on FanDuel, they're totally unknown because everyone has this absurd obsession with either, you know, a couple particular stacks or using their, they use the savings that they get on these good projections to get Trout and Acuna, right? So they have this weird, you know, they might have a three man or they might even have a four man. But then around the three-man, four-man is this is this barbell. So there's just these little nuances of FanDuel that, honestly, I, like you said, I, I can't figure out perfectly. But I know that I can I can I can really get a lot of leverage on the field just through like really super super simple and and easy things. And I I think I like you said I get it perfect a lot less on FanDuel, but I think that matters a lot less on FanDuel than it, than it does on DraftKings. Like if I open up, you know, this 1500 tonight and I fuck up the the ownership or I screw up my team, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm pretty dead on, on FanDuel. Like you said, you know, you're like, ah, oh, shit, that would, that, that should be a thousand into a hundred. And like, actually, you know, you're still kind of, you're still pretty alive. Like you're, you're probably not going to lose that much money and you might actually win, you know, even though you didn't play it perfectly. Right. But I, I, I but the reasoning, is it just that FanDuel attracts a softer user base? I, th- I think it's, I think, well, I think it's that. And I think it's, you know, because we do still, we talk about the DraftKings thing, like, especially in smaller field contests, people are still playing like Austin Meadows is 60 plus percent. Anthony Santander's 60 plus percent. You know, we were having pitchers at like 90 percent earlier that, this but, year. But that's reasonable. See, I, I understand that on DraftKings for the most part, because DraftKings t- uh, pricing is tighter. Yeah. So we, when you get the $2,600, when Andrew Vaughn is 2,200 in shock, like, because, like, what's the difference between him and a $4,200 player is exactly the point. Like, there is no difference. He shouldn't be $2,200. And, he might be better. <laughs> right, he might be better. And then you could play the two best pitch. Like, like the pricing is so much tighter that those builds, projection-wise, for you to get and play a balanced build, that projection number goes down much more Way significantly down, yeah. than it does on FanDuel. But I just don't understand why on DraftKings more of the field. And I'm talking about large field. I know you play the small field stuff, but I'm talking mm. about on the large field where I'll analyze the CSV of the large field contest on DraftKings and not find like lot like not, I won't find as many bad lineups. I still find plenty of bad lineups. Funny of min cash, cash game lineups. You go yep. through, you go through this. You if if you subscribe to a, to a lot of places, right? Go go to the, go to their projections, download them, whatever, and uh, and run run whatever the optimal is, or one of the top five, or something like that. And then you do you you do a count in the CSV, and you look for those rows or whatever. You'll find tons of cash lineups in these large field contests. Oh, yeah. uh, so that's what I consider dead lineups. That that to me, mm-hmm. there no win. I don't care about min cash equity. I care about win equity. Uh, on Fanduel, like dude, th- I mean bizarre shit. <laughs> I mean, just like, but like the bottom 10% of these contests are bizarre. I mean, but I mean, leaving 8,000 on the, like for, leaving 8,000 on the table for no reason. And then still playing like the, like it, it's, it's just like leaving, like, okay, I get it. You can't play a four man, uh, uh, Marlin stack or something without leaving money on the table. But then why, why did you, why, 
why why did you play the fifty two? Why did you play the the, the sixty two hundred dollar pitcher? You had money for Jacob Degrom in that lineup <laughs> with a one percent on Marlin stack, and like it, it's still okay. I guess so. You also get people that aren't in the lineups, right? Especially the late games. That happens way more on FanDuel than it does on DraftKings. Yep. If you search for like the the ownership of like <clears throat> like the the Mariners didn't have a lineup out yesterday or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like Sam Haggerty or something. Yeah, he probably wasn't he wasn't that owner of FanDuel anyway. But like those types of situations, the Dodgers we get right. Some Muncie's not in oh, the yeah. lineup, right? He's still like two or three percent. Two or three, right? He's still dead. on DraftKings. He's less than one. He's a half a percent on. Right. So There's that to couple, me that literally sho- a, a couple people that right. But that to me that shows that that dramatic of a difference between. I mean, we've had that slate with Vince with with Velasquez. What happened there? On both <laughs> sides, I'm I was befuddled, <laughs> befuddled, and I can't believe I lost it. I still lost money on that slate. Uh, he gets ruled out at six forty eight. Slate locks at seven oh five. David Hale's coming in to pitch. Uh, I get the notification on Roto Grinders. I see it on Twitter. It's it's a, it's 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 not like it's unknown. You got you got seventeen minutes, and Velasquez was going to be like the second most owned pitcher on the slate. It was a really shit slate, and they were he's mm-hmm. facing the Mariners. And my first reaction is uh, remove X out Velasquez. I know the Marlins are going to get better projected now, and I start jamming in Marlins. I mm-hmm. up my Marlins exposure up. I up my Smiley because I need someone to replace Velasquez. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking Velasquez comes in. Some people don't get there. Like some people don't get it. So I'm like, okay, Velasquez, let's say it'll be 5% on or something. Right. And on, and on FanDuel, he should, like, he's one pitcher. Like it's so much harder to switch on DraftKings on a small slate with when you have two pitchers because you can't just yeah. say replace I can't go into Global Stop and say Velasquez for Smiley because I have some Smiley Velasquez lineups. Exactly. So, like, right. So the, on FanDuel, you could easily just worst case scenario just swap to whoever, and then I then he, he's twenty percent owned on DraftKings <laughs> and twenty five percent owned on FanDuel. And and if you go through and if you download like for for DraftKings the CSV, most not all, but most of the sharp one fifty players. Zero percent, zero percent, zero percent, zero percent, zero percent. So it's like all of these guys, I'd say anyone that I consider sharp, a couple didn't make it. A couple didn't make it. Because uh, they're probably working on multiple sites and whatever. Shit happens, right? Yeah. yeah. But the fact that Vincent Velasquez was only projected to be owned like 30, 30 32, 35%. DraftKings, he was 20% owned. So like, yeah, his ownership got cut in half. Or so, how many like who's not paying attention enough? And on Fanduel, for him to be twenty five percent, I I to me that that shows the skill. Like why you should yeah. like I I I would think Eric on that day. I mean, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'd be in the in the high stakes that you played. I don't know if you played that day. Like what was mm-hmm. his ownership in that contest? It was still like ten, maybe five, uh, somewhere around ten, and that's okay. why I was floored. You were floored was, at ten in still, that contest, right? Because you'd figure in that contest floored. everyone would get like, like everyone, right? It would be two. He would be two. Two guys didn't get there, right? So two yep. percent don't. But right. th- but look at the difference between your contest ten percent and twenty plus twenty two percent in the large field contest. Yep. How many people there are that 
Like, dude, you had 17 minutes, like, and you could use global swap. So, like, <laughs> right? I mean, you could, you could do that. Just get him at uh, what I did a lot in a lot of lineups. Uh, I mean, I was I was rebuilding at the time, but uh, when we when we have like late scratch type of things, where like a position player, like, oh, Chris Taylor's out of the Dodgers lineup. Yeah. And what what I'll do is I'll just go in and switch to someone, just so yeah. I have just just. So just so it's not an, an X, just a worst case scenario. And then I'll go in and I'll find okay. that some, like typically the someone that I'm putting in is someone that I don't have in any lineups. Right. But right. still let someone that's active. So even yeah. though I may be fading this team, I still, I'll put, uh, I'll put Ramel Tapia in its place. Yeah. I'm not playing any Rockies today, but at least I'm playing a player that is batting. So in worst case scenario, if I worst don't case. get to it, it's at least a live active player. And then I'll go through, and now I have a, I know I have Tapia there, and I know that if I see Dodgers in that lineup, like I got to put a dot, I got to put whoever's in that, and then I can switch stuff around. So sometimes I do it manually, but I just mm-hmm. the difference between ten percent and twenty percent between the two contests, the small field high stakes and the large field in that example for VV, like, do do you, do you kind of get now like it's like how do I pass up? a contest where 20% of the people 17 minutes before lock didn't get the picture out. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I totally see it, but that, that's, that's kind of why using this FanDuel example, it has almost been a little bit of the best of both worlds. And like I said, I'm never trying to shit on it, shit on anybody, but I've been floored many a slate on FanDuel at some of, at some of the stuff that, that you see. And it's and not like, sharp I people. I want to, I want to be clear. It's not the sharp. It's like, what I'm, what I'm saying is not like, oh, oh, all, all, all the good players on FanDuel aren't doing this. No, no, the good players are playing the good lineup. I mean, I yeah, yeah. I look at good players' lineups on FanDuel and go, okay, these are good lineups. These are good lineups. These are good lineups. I, I look through all of them. It's just that how much a percent, why why are some guys 15% under-owned for no reason and 15% mm-hmm. over-owned for, for, for no, no reason other than you can spend, like, to me, it's like, because you could spend the money or people are, People are prioritizing bats over pitchers, yep. which on FanDuel makes less sense than DraftKings. And sometimes, and sometimes it's the opposite. Like, right? Like you said. So then, I, then you get Scherzer, the random slate where Scherzer against the Marlins. I'm like, I'm like, everyone can afford him. He's he's far and away the best play. And then you open it up, and he's ten percent because everybody wanted Trout and Betts and, and Acuna or whatever. And, and then, like you said, now now this this this, this compounding factor. Where it's like, okay, everybody wanted those guys, but they don't have them in any stacks. So now they all have the same one-offs. They all, you know, and it's like then they, they all have the Blue Jays. It's like, what what are we even what are we even doing Your here? Your lineup so is actually saying, less different than what you think it is. Like yeah, we talked exactly. about last week. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, and like so we had that one is, slate yet last week, for instance, where Paddock was underpriced, right? Sixty-three hundred, right yep. against the Mariners on Fanduel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. I, I obviously played a lot of them. I mean, because I mean, he shouldn't have been sixty three hundred. But the problem with those lineups were, like, dude, you could you could you could build the the dream you could build a dream team of bats. So, yep. I but knowing that I'm going in, going how how do I make these lower? How do right. I make these lower owned? And if I can't, I'm just going to have to play less paddock. Yep. I was preparing exactly. on playing like sixty percent. 65% paddock on that slate. And I think I ended up playing like 40 because 
I was just getting too much of like the high priced guy. And then, and I was leaving, I was kept putting my min salary at like 48.5, right? So mm-hmm. I could go from a 4K guy to a $2,500 guy. And I'm still getting so much of these, these, because I'm playing 4-3-1. So my mm-hmm. one-offs, either my one-off is Trout or, you know, what Acuna, whoever, high price guy, or I'm getting the stack of that team of that guy, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's just trying to jam in median fantasy points. And I'm like, and then, and then, you know, what ends up, and Paddock is still only like 22% owned. And I'm like, what, why is he still, uh, why, why, why? Like, like, that's one of those things where I'm like, I purposely played less Paddock because these higher priced batters are going to be over-owned. They still were over-owned, but Paddock was under-owned because people, uh, what would they, uh, instead of playing Paddock, I'm going to play whoever, like Kyle Freeland, whoever, who, another $6,200 pitcher or so I, that that FanDuel, I, I legitimately don't get these owners. I <coughs> most one, of these slates, I, just, I, I, I just don't get. But it's exploitable. But how do I how do I calculate when like I yeah. where how could the same way that I would look at DraftKings, I could pinpoint. I could by experience just look, and like even if I didn't have Roto Grinders ownership projections or look around the industry, I'd probably be able to get within five percent of pretty much every player. On DraftKings, yeah. it's yeah. A somewhat just a directionally accurate. Like, directionally, yeah. right, right. If I oh, thirty-two percent, he ends up thirty-eight percent. This who's going to be higher owned? And I could get that on DraftKings, and then on FanDuel rankings, right? I can I can create a leaderboard, right? Who, rankings. Who and on, fan, on FanDuel, I look and I go, I go. <laughs> why is Wheeler only twenty-nine percent owned on the slate? He's ten-five. He's fa- he's facing the the Marlins, and you have no one to spend up on. Well, apparently you, get, no, but you have everyone to spend up on, but why are you going to spend up for every player? Cause they can't, you can't stack. You can't even stack that way. Like that's the problem. It's like, I'm, I'm stacking. So it's like, I can't play Acuna and, and Soto in the same lineup unless I'm playing Braves, <laughs> Braves nationals, which exactly. just so happens to be the goddamn chalk. Right. So like, I'm <laughs> so not going to play was, that. Exactly. What right. I was going to say, right. It's, it's not going to be that. Punch. So then, 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 well, now, in order for me not to play those guys, I'm going to be playing someone cheaper. And because I'm playing someone cheaper, why aren't I just paying 10-5 for Wheeler? So I'm going, so I, I'm thinking this, so I'm like, there has to be many lineups that are going to be, I'm assuming Wheeler's going to be 40 plus percent owned. He comes into 23 and I go, Who, what lineups are people? How how are they building lineups where you, you need to save money on, on pitcher and it's because Acuna is 36% owned. And Soto is thirty eight percent. Like, like you're just making this too easy on me. Soto over the but weekend think- on Sunday, Soto was forty forty point six percent on on Fanduel and large field zero. That's <laughs> I, I think I, I came in. I that's where I came in tenth play. I think I came in tenth place on that day. And it's not like I didn't have Soto. I still had Soto in like eighteen percent of my lineups or something. But it's yeah. like, well, if you don't play Soto, you got to leave money on the table or not play like. Then, then mm-hmm. do that. It just seems like less of the field, less of the so, the casual end. The sharp players do it, but how? Yeah. I, I I don't understand. DraftKings has a does all the advertising. Fanduel still has plenty of advertising, but it just it, it just I I can't refute my past year to year and a half of playing much more on Fanduel than I have been over the past and going. It can't. It, I can't just be better on FanDuel. It had it has to be the back to the fundamental theory of games mm-hmm. of that 
the opponents on Fanduel just happen to be have to be weaker. I'm doing so much better overall on Fanduel than I am on DraftKings, and I'm not doing anything different than the sharper players on both sites. Yeah. So like I it think. has it has to be that the 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 volume number of weaker players has to exist more on Fanduel. Exactly, and I think um, I definitely believe that, and I believe that to be the case. Even like you said. We talk about it on DraftKings a lot where it's like, look, in these smaller fields, especially as you move up in stakes, it is a lot of just there's a lot less of the weaker competition. And there's less of the weaker competition as you move up in stakes on on FanDuel. But I still firmly believe that like it's almost like the perfect sweet spot for me. Right. Like we've talked about all these different factors as to why it's better for me personally to play smaller field and single entry and all that kind of stuff. So then you find FanDuel and I'm like there's still dead money here, right? Like this is like, you know, this is $500 to get in, but there's still, there's still dead, there's still dead money in, in these contests. But you on, know, on as DraftKings, to- it, really on DraftKings, you take a look sometimes at these like 50 man type high stakes stuff. And I look at see who's mm-hmm. entered. And it's like, I, I recognize literally every name in the contest. Yep. And then on FanDuel, yep. you could do the same thing. And it's a 50 man. <laughs> and there's like maybe six or seven names in there that don't even... There may be two that don't even have a badge. Yeah, 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 exactly. It happened, and this happens every day. So, so I think I think that is definitely part of it. That like for any bankroll for any style of player, I really do believe. You know, and maybe this will change. Maybe people will listen to this and they're like, Jesus, yeah, why am I not playing on Fanduel? I I don't know the reason behind it exactly, but I do believe it to be true at least at least for right now. Another thing. Um, you know, and then maybe, well, not, not keep beating home this, this FanDuel point and, and we'll wrap up, but they, for what, like uh, the pricing on DraftKings, the, we talk about the, the barbell thing, but also in general, there are only so many cheap stacks and a lot of stacks are expensive. So from a roster construction perspective, there's kind of only so much you can do you know, without like totally flipping the build and 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 changing kind of how you optimally would look would look at a slate, right? Like we've talked about like the Cubs. Remember the, the Cubs were against like Scooble or whatever. Like every Cubs hitter was six thousand right. dollars. Every Cubs hitter was six thousand dollars. But there's also more of those, you know. And then if you want to play the che- if you want to play the cheap guys, there's those cheap like one off hitters, and we have we have plenty of those. But like. They're, most of the stacks are kind of jumbled in the middle, right? The Reds have a few expensive hitters and then a few middle hitters, and the average cost is forty two hundred. You know, and that's kind of like how even at the beginning of the year, like even the Mariners were like that, right? Like Kyle Seager is forty eight hundred and Hanniker's forty four hundred, and yeah, they have a couple of of cheap guys, but in general, the overall stack cost is is whatever. On Fanduel, it's like there's like the Braves. If you want to spend, it's the Braves. Maybe the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Dodgers, Mike, and, and 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 Mike Trout, <laughs> you know. And so everybody, there's like one expensive stack that that everybody is jamming in, and then there's all this middle ground, right? The even there's times the Dodgers, it's like Turner's thirty two hundred and Seager's thirty five hundred, and if you know Mookie was expensive, but it's like Pollock is twenty four hundred. Will Smith is 2700 on FanDuel. You know, even the Angels, really, even the Angels. You Okay, yes, Trout is expensive. Oh, Otani for the longest time wasn't even very expensive. But it's like, dude, just Walsh was 2700 You know, this has changed now. Right. But, like, there's always this, there's always this, like, minutia on, on FanDuel where it's like, dude, pretty much every stack is, like, they average three, 
three grand, maybe even cheaper, right? But people don't, but but people don't care. They're like, well, I have this two because the projections say Kike Hernandez is two thousand, and so and so is two thousand. So I do that, and then I got Trout, and then I got Acuna, and then it's like, oh, here's well, the four, right, the four man to go along with that, right? Yep, here's the four man that goes along with it, and 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 whether you know, maybe on a certain slate that gets me to Grom, but if it doesn't, who gives a shit? Look, Chris Paddock sixty three, Chris Paddock is sixty three hundred, right? Or like you know, who, name another guy on a different slate. I don't even know who it is today. I haven't looked, but there's somebody, there's some seven K pitcher on Fanduel that you're like, what the why the fuck is this guy? Why, why is he? Why is so and so seven hundred against the Tigers or seven thousand again? Yeah, but a lot Tigers. of times you don't even need to use them. It, exactly, but people still will because it's like, well, look at my projection when I put this awesome pitcher, right? Kevin, give me Kevin Gaussman, you know, for seven thousand dollars, and then I get Trout and I get Acuna and I get Bobichet or Trey Turner or whatever, and then I get you know the Yankees <laughs> because the the Yankee you want to talk about cheap the Yankees are all twenty five hundred on Fanduel right this for no apparent reason shop, shopping <laughs> yeah, Gio Urshel is twenty two hundred on you you want it you want the third hitter for the Yankees against the Orioles twenty two hundred like go go ahead but like so all this just puts everybody on this exact on these exact same things and like you said on DraftKings a lot of the times to get away from those exact same things you really have to lose some projection. Right. For me to get different and, and play this bet on my opponents failing, I'm definitely giving up like projection and I'm, I'm giving up win probability too. like to, to, usually to a pretty extreme extent. Uh, now, the variance is so high in baseball that it's, you know, I'm more than willing to do that. I'm, I'm not convinced on FanDuel that you're really giving up much win probability at all. And you're not giving up much projection at all playing super low like the other day you know when winker hit hit the three home runs the reds kind of outside of him and nake when the reds kind of sucked but like one i think they were all one two three percent right like yeah no, I, I read stacks they were five percent or less yeah exactly like everybody is completely unowned because everybody has you know if i'm gonna pay up it there's it's the same guys every slate so you you want winker one percent every every slate and there's something like that on on every single slate and, and you're not like i said you're not giving up much like on on DraftKings, in order to fit the reds you know I, I i played the reds on both sites on that on that day and it's like it, on DraftKings to fit the reds i gotta make some serious concessions you right. know uh, to 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 fit them on FanDuel, it's like dude i played the reds with a 10k <laughs> with a ten thousand dollar pitcher and the reds are one percent you know it, so i just think that the, the opportunities to like attack on on FanDuel are 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 much better and you don't have to give up. Like I, I'm willing to accept, you know, this huge drop in projection and this 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 huge drop in win probability on DraftKings because I think over the long haul, you know, that that is the the best thing for me to do. But on FanDuel, I I can get <laughs> I, I can get the the same EV lineup without giving up much of that at right, all. You're, you're dropping half of your ownership of the total lineup, and like you're losing two points in projection. Right. Like, right. It's a walk. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and to to the point that you know, like you said, the 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 fundamentals of games, and I'm getting softer action. It's like what, what? Yeah, but the, I, the worst, but the the thing that the number one thing against it, the prize payout yeah, structure is fucking. One hundred percent. They're they're they are absolutely horrible. The the higher stakes, smaller field contests are absolute dog shit. You want to talk about bad the bad payout structures? It's it's like a hundred thousand dollar 
uh, and like 65k to first place. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Winner take a winner take all. Like, I'm not paying fifteen hundred dollars for for basically winner take all. You I know. know I've, like, se- I've seen I've seen them do like a hundred thousand a first, ten thousand a second. Yes. Yeah. It's abs- it is absolutely absurd. So yeah, to your point, that's you know right, that's because in the large field, I, I look at the large field. It's th- like for today, thirty thousand a first. There's a five dollar contest. Thirty thousand mm-hmm. a first, ten thousand a second, five thousand to th- it's thirty thousand, ten thousand, five thousand, twenty five hundred, a thousand. So fifth place is a thousand dollars, while first place is thirty thousand dollars. Tenth place is three hundred and fifty bucks. That's the place that I come in. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I come in seven. You see why I could have all these top ten finishes and not have a top two. And still be down money on the season, right? Like I'm looking at the their their big like it's mostly mid stakes, um, which is the other thing that happens when they run. They have the the jumbo home home run today. It's 150 dollars to get in. There's 2,200 people. It's 300 thousand dollar prize pool, and it's 100 100 k to first place. And second place is 20. Third is 10. And you get to you know oh you got 10 10th place. Here's a thousand bucks. Here's a thousand bucks. You know what I mean? You paid one hundred and fifty dollars to get into this. You got tenth. You get a thousand dollars. Like that's right. That's, that's, that's absolutely that's ridiculous. Seven x your money. I mean, like that's you lost money. Like like you said to your point, you got tenth place. If you multi entered, you lost. You lost, you lost money. money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But that. But so, that's 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 why you that's why you need to build lineups with win equity, first yep. place equity. And that's why. Let's see. With with six top tens. Maybe, 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 maybe I'll get a first or a second one of the, one of these times. Uh, so I could, I mean, I'm not down that much money, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, and I still play cash games. So that balances everything yeah. out. Uh, but, but yes, I'm, 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 I'm putting up with the bad payout structures on FanDuel because I ju- I can't deny the, the difference of the relative skill difference in opponents. I got, mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where like if DraftKings has that $18 Big feel. I just don't even play it. I play. A fa- I'll. I'll play with my volume on Fanduel. Like mm-hmm. uh, DraftKings has to drop their entry fee because if yeah, DraftKings payout structures is a little bit better, but not that much not perfect. better. Not yeah, perfect. Right. So I'd. Ra- I'd rather. To me, I'd rather play. I'd rather play m- less entry fee and more lineups against worse opponents than play less lineups with a higher entry fee against better opponents. I mean, like, like yeah. why would you? Like why? The only difference would be the payout structure. I mean, really, and if that's if that's the the tie, I'm gonna play with a we. I'm gonna play where the worst worst people are and just, you know, you know how you solve uh, the payout structure problem. Win. Yeah, you just win. Just just win it. And you don't have to worry about it, right? <laughs> yeah, I get it. No one no one complains about the payout structure when they get first. No, right? I Everybody I did that- once. You know what happened to me? Oh yeah, yeah. You know what happened to me? Fucking, it's, yeah. it's the the DFS gods coming to fucking. <laughs> Go fuck your flat payouts, flat payouts. Okay, here you go. Here's a nice yep. flat one. Instead of a instead of fifty or a hundred thousand a first, here's twenty five thousand a first, <laughs> just for you. And that's Don't the worry, day that, that I, guy, that's that the day that, that got, I win. That guy that got eightieth, he's happier today. But <laughs> you've right. been bitching about it. You've been right, the guy that came in now. second and third and fourth, the ones that when I come in second, third, fourth, I'm like, I wish this was a flatter payout structure. No, that's the day I fucking won. That to me, that's that's poetic. It is right as yep. the person I, I have a make make payout structures flat again hat. That's a joke, <laughs> right? I'm pick. I'll give it, and then and when when I come in first, I get twenty five thousand. 
right? Instead of 50 or 100. Yep. Okay. Eric Bime4 on Twitter. Uh, see, we could, we, 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 I don't know. Sometimes we go week to week and I go, I don't even know what we're going to talk about today. And then it just ends up being two hours of this is what we talked about. We talked That's about a, the barbell. You said the barbell thing. The Are we just going to yeah. call it the barbell thing? I think so. It's the most commonly brought up phrase uh, from this one. And it, it, it's good. It's a good. Uh, just call a it a thing, though? Ways, just right? the barbell thing? The, the, well, now you have to do it, the barbell thing. I don't know. You, you it, called it the barbell I thing. I like the barbell thing. Well, now barbell. that's what I'm going to call it forever. So you have to call it the barbell okay, thing because I'm going to use that. I'm going to, when I write, I'm going to use it when I podcast, I'm going to use it. It's the, it's the barbell thing, but it's good. It's good. That, that, that works. That works. But what people don't realize is that like, so like we hopped on right before and people always say like, Oh yeah, we were talking before the show. I hop on, you do your little thing that you, the, that you have to do to, to set the show up. And we're like, well, let's just start talking. Right. That's you know? all we do. So, like, that's right? what it is. There's, there's no, yeah. We don't have a Google Doc or anything. We have nothing. Yeah. Nothing just, here. Right. I said, right. I set up your green screen thing and I go, you ready? Go, yeah. Okay. I barely say hi to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Mindfor on Twitter at Blender HD for me on Twitter. Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. Go pick it up. Theoryofdfs.com.